Hey, so kind of wanted to give a heads up on this one. It's a longer one, gets a little bit into religion and then also government, stuff like that, as you may have uh, deduced. Uh, I am not religious, so that it was a great conversation with great people that were religious, and then uh, kind of having a discussion from there. I would actually, uh, on the next podcast I do with the two gentlemen that you're about to hear, I would like to stay focused on maybe just religion and stuff like that, because a lot of times when I talk about religion, it's with other people that also are not religious. There's some stuff that I wanted to do with fact-checking. For instance, there were some points that I should have made or could have made about politics later on in this uh, podcast, but instead of doing a fact-check section at the end, which I love that idea, I think I'll do that in future podcasts, I will instead, I wrote down everything, and I'm looking forward to the next podcast with these guys so I can address some of those. With that, cue the intro. Back to another episode of Epsilon Reporting on air, on air, on air, on air. Welcome back. Joined here with Scott. Hello. Hello. And Jeff. Hello. All right. Tonight we are going to be discussing at least the seed topic. Uh, by all means, tangents will uh, pop up. But basically, what, how people collect information. The processing and output. We're probably going to be focusing on the processing. Basically, different ways of thinking. And uh, yeah, what's uh, what's your experience with that? One thing that I have um, we talked about just the other day, and that uh, Jeff and I have been batting around a little bit, is the concept of being how married you are to a particular point of view. If you're very attached, very emotionally attached to an idea, it is very difficult to process that in a rational, rational way. In one of my earlier podcasts, I discussed uh, a thing called conceptual inertia, which is basically the reason why uh, we hold on to old, uh, antiquated ideas, even when presented with conflicting factual information. And in that uh, podcast I discussed, a lot of it is tied to kind of two things. Uh, One is pride. You could break down pride in continuity of self. From a thought evolutionary standpoint, if there was an individual that was like, hey, I really believe chairs should only be used outside, and I full-heartedly do, and here's a tattoo of uh, a chair outside on a patio. That's how firmly I believe it. And then someone's like, uh, but could we bring one in? Like, I, I would like more seating inside. And they said, yeah, sure, actually, that is a good idea. You would then be wary on almost every other concept that that person holds dear. You'd be like, what else are they incredibly squirrely about? And so uh, I, I definitely agree. But it is a, a failure in, uh, in how mentally, like mental agility, how quickly we can adapt to new information. Is it a failure or is it more, I'm trying to say here, so you, the advantage would be that um, the ability to commit to a topic versus someone that's like, 
you know, I believe chairs should only be outside. Well, I think they should be inside too. You know, I, I, I think I believe they should be inside too. And I think they should be on elephants. You know, I think they should be on elephants too versus the one guys. You know what? No. Inside or outside, right? And mm-hmm. then, and therefore the burden to move that, that, I, that person is greater, which means if they land someplace else, they're more likely to, to believe uh, or to know what they believe. Rather than just, you know, they got so much agility that they can't sit still. Yeah. And I think that, uh, too, you have mental agility versus continuity. Mm. Um, I think there's something to be said for for continuity and for uh, tradition. Um, The way things have always been done is, you know, uh, has a bad reputation, and yet... Quite often there are reasons that we may not see at first for the way it's always been done that um, turn out to be quite uh, significant at times. And, and so part of that is going to be essentially again it's going to come back to do, do you know why that is? Do you know why you know? Do you know why you believe that? And uh, what I what we're touching on there is is it's the our maturity in our thought process and and I think part of this the idea there is also it's it's um I think it's more a matter of identity like I, I identify now as I identify as that concept and so when someone says well that that, that idea is kind of weak you haven't said that idea is kind of weak you said I'm weak mm-hmm yeah, that's where the pride comes in. Right, and there, no, no, now you got, yeah, and so now you got a whole, that's a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. Um, or that, you know, a, a different driver, I guess. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the ability to, we talked the other day, that the ability to to suspend your, what do we say? The ability to suspend um, your, your biases in order to f- more fully or as fully as possible entertain another idea, even if it's contradictory, is in itself a skill set. Right, so it's kind of like put it in a vacuum, where it's safe. Right, it's not actually going to hurt me, but then I need to suspend my my biases that would say, no, this can't this can't be for whatever reason, and then and then kick that thing around, and um, you know if it's if it's a flawed idea, then you know it'll it'll die in the vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not, then you know, oh snap, now what do I do? You know. That's difficult to do because especially if you're in a situation where someone is trying to convince you of something, it's mm-hmm. a little bit higher pressure. And at that point, you're uh, you're almost trying to think of new ways to either get out of it or to convince the other person otherwise. And you're not – because to suspend your uh, biases, as you put it, that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of energy. And, and I think sometimes we look at it and, – and, and here's the dynamic, right? So it's, it's – I'm not tied to the – you know, Scott used the term married – I'm not being wrong mm-hmm. about this does not affect my identity it doesn't affect who I actually am mm-hmm. right and I think a lot of people probably most of us have that experience where um, do we recognize that mm-hmm. right so you might be wrong about your chairs uh, it doesn't mean that I think any less of you I might think that's weird mm-hmm. right uh, it doesn't mean that I, I think you are less of a person right and now, now someone might think you're less of a person, mm-hmm. and that's where we get stuck. But, but am I actually less of a person because I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and so, and 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 I agree that it takes. I I agree that it would that it takes a, a lot, quote unquote, to to get to that point, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the advantage there, and and I, I think maybe this might be the difference in like strategical thinkers or and, and things of that nature, is that is that. Um, if you can engage in the exercise of, of kicking this thing around, um, one, you, you've, you know, again, you're not kicking me around. Mm-hmm. We're kicking the idea around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so arguing for the idea is um, that sure. That's part of the process because now you're, now you're participating in kicking it around. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, if you do that, you, you, you're just going to get more out of it because if it's a sound idea, you're probably going to have a better understanding of your idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not a sound idea or not as sound as you thought it was, you know, then that gives you another place to go, right? And so, um, and, and, and the, the potential for growth is really the, is, is, is the prize mm-hmm. um, because in that space of, man, this is really difficult, but I'm confronting it, uh, there's an opportunity to grow right there. And, you know, if you can come out of that, you know, versus one guy says, ah, I won, I got the debate. And you go, yeah, but I learned a lot from the debate. Mm-hmm. Who, who really won? You yeah. Know? Now, I always win, so that question's, it's a silly <laughs> maybe, question. But, maybe for Jeff. Yeah. Yes. Um, one thing that I think of, that I, I think I texted you on the um, subject is, it is really oh, yeah. difficult, if not impossible, to, to do that, to <coughs> see that objectively or be able to divorce yourself from it to enable to analyze that without an absolute authority because you you one you presume there is a right way correct there is a right there is a framework where this fits mm-hmm. and um, I had a second thought on that but it has escaped me at the moment <laughs> try to re circle back to that later but um yeah and that's kind of that at the core of it is that's one of the hardest things about the human condition is that nothing is it's not meditate uh six hours a day and that's the key to happiness because or meditate as much as you can because then you can meditate your life away uh nothing is an absolute everything is a balancing act so i think probably the best way to handle that uh in if you're really not agreeing with something if there is an idea that you hold true uh and then uh, someone is uh, presenting uh very conflicting information uh probably the best way to handle that or one of the best ways is to agree that the the information that they're uh providing sounds very sound and that you will give it some thought and then to also provide the follow-up with that so uh, to when you get home from a party or a conversation with friends, something like that, to look into it. Because if you, the next time you meet with that person, if you bring that up, that is incredibly beneficial for your relationship. Because it shows that you are not only an active listener, but you're an enthusiastic listener that will invest time into what that person says. That way, there on out, that person knows that when they talk to you, it's not them slowly wasting their life on you, wasting their breath on you. <laughs> so that, uh, one, it helps uh, strengthen your friendship. 
help strengthen your knowledge because you look into it absolutely like what you were saying Jeff in regards to uh, what you get from the debate mm -hmm. uh, and then also it I think it helps greatly with basically a positive feedback loop where people like being told that hey you know you were right and if we had more people that were willing to engage in polarizing topics and then look into it come back and say yeah, I don't believe in uh, this or this because of uh, this situation, but overall, you brought up some great points and you were correct in these things. That person gets a little bit of a rush. They, that's positive reinforcing that. And if we were more willing to do that, I think we would have slowly, but surely it might be too much to ask for, but I think we would have a more well-read society. But, uh, well, and I, I think that's definitely true. Um, but I think the education system is, and popular culture is leading us in very much opposite direction. Um, Jeff is on school board, so he may be able to address some of that. But uh, you're to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I think he's the corrective factor in a lot of it. But uh, so much of the education system is geared towards indoctrination and not how to think, how to process, how to um, how to come to reasoned conclusions. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that that gets, pushes that further and further away, much more uh, emotional-based thought uh, rather than logic-based. I agree. It's uh, the system as it stands seems to be pushing rote memorization, not uh, not an accurate, uh, true understanding of a topic, and kind of like what you were saying earlier about the the chair guy. If a, way too often people believe things because they were told, because it's it's not their beliefs; it's their father's beliefs. It's their, their, their friend that they really respect. Mm -hmm. So they haven't come to uh, a, a fundamental understanding of the topic as a whole. And that kind of relates to what we were talking about, too, the, the emotional attachment. Because the, as you brought up, uh, your daughter, I think, was, uh, believed something or wanted to believe something or was very attached to an idea because one of her teachers, whom she really respects and enjoys, had had told her this and had communicated this. Yeah, and I, so <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, one, I, I don't, I don't. It's not the education system's fault. It starts with parents, mm -hmm. number one, right? And so, and it's not to lay it on that on there. It, it, what one of the, what are we what we aren't good at. Um, as a society in general is self-advocation right now which is different than mm -hmm. I want it my way mm -hmm. right different than me telling you right and then I want you to do what I told you uh, but it's that spot right there that no I'm not going to do what you told me and then here's why mm -hmm. right um, and and, and I, what, I, what I see is that because we are not good at that ourselves, we're also not good at fostering that. So when someone says, you know, no, you know how, you know how divisive a word no is? Mm -hmm. Right? No. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? Right? I mean, as parents, 
the joke is, uh, you know, it's terrible twos, and then they learn no, right? And then, and then, you know, in all the, I don't know, in some of the more touchy-feely parenting circles, it was, oh, we're going to celebrate our independence, right, when they say no. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. But you see how we put that little mocking little tone to it, you know? But that's exactly what we're doing. And so, you know, what we're taught, what the... I'm trying to say here what the what gets conveyed is you you teach you you, you come down on compliance you don't tell me no mm-hmm. right rather than no okay then then what mm-hmm. right yeah no leaves no room for uh... well no no's fine if, if someone tells you no mm-hmm. then my follow up is okay then what mm-hmm. right so now now you have to think oh I didn't know how to choice you have a choice and now you have to make it. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! <laughs> right, <laughs> and then they go. Well, I want to do this. No. Okay, then what? Right, and now, now, now we're exploring the space. You're in, you're in negotiation. Yeah, and we're exploring the space, and that's a skill set. Mm-hmm. And so, what we what we end up with with kids, you know, or as we as we're coming up, we're doing two things. One, we are we are teaching our we're teaching people, teaching our children at the point to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not just no, but it's no what, and then ourselves we were teaching ourselves to engage in that so when someone doesn't want to comply mm-hmm. right then now what right now there's now there's another series another window opens up another series of, of options um, are now intrinsic to the conversation mm-hmm. right uh, and and the more we do all that the you know the more we exercise those muscles and the better we get at it and so it's, it's a twofold effect and then when um, you, you know, when you do uh, broach the the education system, now you have a ideally you have a child that has learned to self advocate, and then you again the adults that are there, the teachers, the staff, um, are perhaps perhaps it's just your child. Like every other child uh, understands, are either compliant or they're not compliant. In which case, you know, basically what they're asking for is some sort of consequence to make them comply. But now you have a child that's no, and this is what I would like. Well, right now the teacher has to mature, mm-hmm. you know, and and that is asking a lot. Uh, the the other partnering piece to that is it's the parent's responsibility to make clear that I am your partner, um, and that one of the things that we are doing is teaching our kids to to advocate, which is which is an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, now we're teaching critical thought. Mm-hmm. Right, because and, and and so if the parent is not teaching a child how to advocate, and that is not the teacher's job, right? The parent's teaching the child is not teaching the child how to advocate, uh, and and uh, also we aren't doing our bit to direct the education. Then the 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 system is going to be set up to make up for that gap, right? I'm not here to teach you why two, you know, two and two is four. I'm going to teach you that two and two is four because mm-hmm. I've only got you for so much time. I've got 20 other of you, right? So if we're unhappy with that, then you know that, that comes that comes back to us. And it, I would say it is a cycl- it's it's a loop because then we teach society to, to to not vest that way, and then we teach the people that we quote unquote partner with to you know to teach that way and, and, it, and it does this nonsense yeah right? and the ones that are it, successful it in that system are the ones that get to a point where they can make decisions in regards to uh perpetuate said system sort of although that's yeah, it's a it, yeah i mean being as being as kind of into it as as i am there there man there's so many sensible arguments and all of that um 
And so, and especially, you know, especially where we're at, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, El Paso County is, is known for not being compliant mm-hmm. in general. And then, especially when it comes to education and things of that nature, you know, it's, trust me, <laughs> when we get up there, it's like, okay, and the El Paso County crew, right? They, they know that they have to address us differently in general. Um, because of that uh, but I, I think that's fascinating it, it is yeah. it's, it's a huge deal on its own yeah if you really get bored you should go up to the there's a there's a charter school league uh, conference coming up in a month um, it's a really interesting deal to, if, if you get into that but anyway um, I, I think part of the deal is, is is coming back you know coming back to that critical thought part of that's learning how to self-advocate for ourselves because then it just it just completely changes the the has the opportunity to, to, to change the, the typical give and take, the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you find if, if you're if you have a tendency to be disagreeable, mm-hmm. which means I'm not just going to accept what you said because you said it and uh, non-compliant in general, uh, then when you present that, you right away, you're going to get feedback. Mm-hmm. And and if it's the, you know, well, you're just a insert label. Okay. Mm. We yeah, prob- because you're we probably can't engaging. talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not trying to do it. Or you come out with the other side and like, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break down all your arguments and embarrass you. Yeah. Um, or we can exchange. I have this concept that you have to. Uh, a lot of ways we present information to other people, you have to do it in the sense of like a clutch. You have to be able to slowly bring that other person up to speed. It sort of. It at times. Yeah. I think the example of Jesus is, is uh, points to that, where he, he engaged different people very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was able to sense and probably supernaturally was able to uh, read people and see what it was that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I think that again, that's skill set that you learn. You learn that um, you know how quickly. Can this person react to what I'm doing? And part of that is relationship too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff and I have known each other for years, and you know, I can slap him upside the head, and oh yeah, cool, and you know that's fine. Or give me a valid reason why. Well, yeah, I mean, there's you know the slap needs to come with uh, some some reason to it. Um, a box of chocolates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, you know, there's many other people that I would I would never take that same tack with. So I think a lot of it's relationship and and just being able to read people and mm-hmm. and the circumstance. And, and I, I think uh, it's one of the things that I was turned on to is is who is your audience? Mm-hmm. You know, so just when we're talking to somebody, we want them to be our audience, and they you know they just may not be. You know, they're not the person that's going to hear us. Uh, they're not the someone we're going to be able to communicate to. Um, well, that's why uh, earlier you brought up uh, ask your kid why, mm-hmm. no, but, because mm-hmm. I think that uh, that collapses the whole unknown that's mm-hmm. behind that simple no, and they have to then codify their ideas into uh, an actual legitimate response. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's amazing. Uh, real fast to touch on what you guys were talking about earlier. I am not a parent. However, I, uh, I love the idea that if, when I have a kid, I will absolutely engage with them and ask why. Like, why, why did you do that? 
because growing up, I if I messed up, which I mean I was a huge doofus, uh, there were plenty of times where I messed up. I was simply punished, right. and so I was not asked why. Which there was a, a momentum to my angst, mm-hmm. and so uh, if I got punished, I was like, yeah, whatever, man, I'm a punk. And then, uh, but if I was asked why, I'd be like, you know, I. Uh, I'm a punk is incredibly hollow of an answer. Let me uh, right. let me think about that. Even Get if back to you. yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? Oh well, you see, I'm frustrated about whatever. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. Well, it's, the, the the thing there is that you know it's it's like exercise. It teaches you to think, right? So you know, as a parent. And here's the deal, you know. So, so when you get into the science of that, physiology, phys- physiologically, if you get the answer, I don't know. That's a that's a that's a legit answer coming mm-hmm. from anybody that's essentially not twenty five ish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that, that's actually legit. But the the deal there is is the is the process of yeah why, mm-hmm. and and being told okay so that's not sound, like that's okay that that's not going to cut it. There's mm-hmm. there's something else in there. Or okay, but you don't get to do that anymore you mm-hmm. know, because of. That, that why doesn't work. Right. I, I stabbed you with a fork because I was mad at you. Mm. Okay, that's probably legit. I mean, that's a legit reason for you. I'm not going to cut it ever again. You know. Yeah. Oh, so I have to come up with other reasons. Yes, you're going to have to manufacture other reasons to stab me with a fork. Yeah, which obviously <laughs> this is all coming from the side of not being a parent. I'm sure that right. when the right. time comes, like so many other variables at play in your own life that yeah. when you get home tired and your kid's mm-hmm. like being a huge doofus mm-hmm. and uh, you're not really going to yeah. possibly have the energy to engage. And that's that's the responsibility of, of being a good parent mm-hmm. is trying to suspend your own mm-hmm. issues uh, and problems and frustrations long enough to be able to engage and mm-hmm. that's which part of, yeah um, I think one of the, so there's a couple things that uh, a friend of mine one of the things they talked about was when someone's presenting them information, one of the things they say is, is talk to me like I'm a really smart eight-year-old, mm-hmm. which is the no why. You know, do the no why. That's mm-hmm. where it comes from, right? Um, slightly higher, higher level thinking is, is learning to ask the first correct question. Right? So hmm. what are we really talking about here? Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody can do that. Which, well, which is a reality. Which gets back to the emotional thinking mm-hmm. versus being able to separate yourself from mm-hmm. the subject and be able to step back and put it in a vacuum mm-hmm. and kick it around. Which, yeah, it takes a lot of practice because at the end of the day, we are biological machines. If someone says mm-hmm. something outrageous, you're going to get a spike in cortisol, which like changes the way your neurons fire. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, on a side note, that has helped me greatly because I would something would go awry and I would be, I would solve that problem, mm-hmm. but I would be looking for a fight. I would be looking mm-hmm. for something else that is going wrong or I just keep rolling what happened in my mind and not finding any different solution and that would lead to increased frustration and then with that realization that we are biological machines the best thing kind of like what you were saying that old wisdom that almost seems like it's uh, it's flippant nowadays because it's been used so much is still incredibly valid and important so for instance like take a walk like just walk, get away from it, and let your body metabolize those neurotransmitters and get yourself back to baseline. And then, oh, okay, whoa, what the heck? Where'd that come from? Now I can examine this situation. Mm-hmm. So, 
one of the things that um, Jeff and I have kicked around uh, for a long time is um, uh, the land of maybe. <laughs> Good gracious, you're making it up now. Which is the concept that if you don't ask the question, you don't get an answer, which might be good or it might be bad but when you stay in the land of maybe you're forever insecure you're forever uncertain there's the stress hormone there's the cortisol there but at least you don't get the no answer so it's like you um, it's basically a lack of courage being willing to confront the issues. But I think that men are famous for that. I think procrastination is a, a um, field of that or a, um, a product of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's something that is very significant in many people's thinking. It's a little bit more abstract, but yeah, I think procrastination is a product of uh, self-sabotage that uh, when it comes down to it, like, is I'm either going to get rejected or get accepted, and not getting reje rejected oftentimes is more comfortable than not getting accepted. Yeah. And so I think that's where self-sabotage plays a huge role, where mm -hmm. if before you take an exam, all of a sudden you find out that you drank all night, and then that's why you performed poorly on the exam, mm -hmm. not because yeah. it didn't do your duty and memorized or studied correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the, uh, it kind of what you were talking about earlier that I think is uh, pretty relevant is I, I heard a saying really recently that was, I would rather live in an honest disorder than a dishonest order. And uh, I, I really enjoy that because I, I, think, I think that love and hate exist in the undefined. And basically... And by all means, I can tell from your face that you want to unpack that. But I think that if you do not communicate to a partner, uh, that is where you start to run into an issue of, like, the, we have, um, uh, what's the term, uh, a negative bias, uh, because we came from a long string of individuals that to survive a lion attack, you had to be anxious to make sure that you had enough supplies, you had to be anxious, you had to think that something was not wrong, because oftentimes pure peace can lead to a kind of stagnation of some sort. So... If we do not communicate correctly, uh, then it uh, leaves our intentions up to our partner's imagination. And so that's kind of where I, I feel like at least hate can exist in the undefined. Uh, and then love can oftentimes, I, I think there, you can get to a true nature of love, uh, but I think most people don't experience it as, uh, as presented in the media. I think a lot of times people, uh, love seems to be one-sided or just uh, a flame of uh, endorphins, other kind of compounds that lead to a sensation of love. But I think very quickly it devolves into, if it still persists, one-sided. Uh, and once again, due to uh, failure in communication. I would. Uh, what do you want to unpack in that one? Completely disagree with that. <laughs> All right. <yeah. laughs> I don't completely disagree. I think you have a wrong premise in there, but but please. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that um, what you said about hate is 
there's probably some truth to that. I I don't um, necessarily disagree with that. I think that the the love side of it, though, I think is I think true love and probably most prevalent in the marital setting context is has to be a mutual or maybe not has to no I wouldn't say has to should. but it should and can and oftentimes is absolutely a mutual thing I've seen it definitely at least in my experience uh, which I mean I don't work for the census or anything but uh, oftentimes it is not as pure as I would like to think it would be. Yeah, or yeah. Per, per, well, I, perception's reality, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, to give you an example, I, I've been married over forty years, and I was just telling my wife the other day. I see why people retire. It's because they're so in love that they can't force themselves to go out the door and go to work. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, a little facetious, but for I mean, we are probably more in love than we've ever been in our lives. And you've been on how long? Over forty years. That's a long damn time to work on that to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the reason is we've come to a place of of trust and. Um, grace with one another where the things that used to annoy us now are a source of humor for us for the most part I mean, we still you know there are, there are moments but mm-hmm. it's life it's messy but uh, there is a, a trust and a confidence and a sense of humor and a sense of grace that is just it takes a lifetime to achieve and it takes a lot of humility on both partners' parts, but it it is out there. It is is real, and um, it is fantastic. So I think uh, that's awesome. That's beautiful and amazing, and I hope to find something like that. And but I, I do think that love is an expression of familiarity over time. That if mm-hmm. you had two individuals trapped on a desert island inevitably uh, they would fall in love uh, like as long as they're uh, compatible like the minim- minimal requirements of compatibility uh, they would fall in love and so it, you you get to a point where you have built so much uh, understanding with another individual that the the notion obviously like there there's the, the colloquialism Wow, kind of fumbled through that one, but of having like the same brain stuff like that, having like a very oh, similar no. way in viewing oh, no. certain things. No, absolutely uh, not. So, so, yeah. Well, one, I, I think. Ah, uh, man. Good gracious. How, how did we get here? Yeah. So, um, I think it's the first time I ever asked that question. Thought, right? thought ever so, always leads to relationship. Okay, so well, uh, okay, so the premise. Um, That's interesting. Do you think that? Uh, the way you presented it was love and hate mm-hmm. as if they, they th- those are the oppositions yeah so I think that that's incorrect mm-hmm. it's love and indifference mm-hmm. 
heard that before. Okay. So hate, like if if, if, if I love you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I would hate mm-hmm. that uh, you're a drug addict, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, the people that would enable you to do so, I would maybe hate them. Mm-hmm. Am I not being loving? My love is expressed through the things that I, I hate. What is not good for you? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas it, the opposite isn't different. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. And right? I, I agree to an extent. Okay. And so, so with the, the problem, the thing that I, I see is that that's that idea, which you know we've all heard that love and hate, mm-hmm. right? The the problem though is that that begins to set up a false understanding or an incorrect understanding of what of what love is. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you that that love is as as people understand it is a product of familiarity um, and um, you know I don't know we've we've done it this long you know that's not that's not love. Mm-hmm. I understand love to be concerned and intentional about the best good mm-hmm. right so um, because of that I, I, I think about well what is the best good for Kenton what, and, and, and do those things mm-hmm. right and now that, that doesn't necessarily mean I, I've got this warm and fuzzy for you right so there, there's a difference right so mm-hmm. we talk about that whole thing that warm and fuzzy that we talk about uh, the reason why a husband and wife get together is because there's there's that extra there's a different component there and, and essentially what that is is I'm aroused by this individual mm-hmm. right they're they're attractive there's something I like about them and ultimately that that uh, arousal that I have for this partner for this person is different than the arousal that I have for Scott or the arousal I have for you or the, you know etc there, mm-hmm. there, there's a scale and I'm glad of that and we and we are all glad yeah, of that yeah. <clears throat> um, so. For you know, I, I don't love my wife the way that I love chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. I actually don't love chocolate cake. I just like it a lot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't love my wife the way I love my dog. I'd actually say I probably don't love my dog. I, I like the dog. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything bad to happen to the dog, but I don't. Mm, you know that love thing. That's that's to me. That's a bit much for that. Um, whereas in society, it's or what's often commonly taught is you know I'm, I love everybody. I love everybody in the sense that I want the best good for everybody, but I don't have that warm and fuzzy affection. You know, if we're on the ship and it's you or her, you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it's going to work. Uh, which that's where it gets layered and gets a bit more difficult. But I, what I find is if, when we start to understand those layers, it helps us correctly um, uh, understand. What, what love is and therefore it goes from the difference of yes I've been on sucking this island for you with you for X number of years and I may I may understand how you work and I may become comfortable with it and learn to work around that uh, and, and perhaps I enjoy your company or I don't know how to process life without you here mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't mean I love you mm-hmm. not in the way that we're trying to, 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 to project um, there's a difference between being comfortable and go well. I'm just really comfortable with with you in the room, and I'm more comfortable with you in the room, even though everything you do kind of drives me crazy. Than I am stepping outside the room mm-hmm. or having you step outside the room. Again, that's that's not love. Yeah, that starts getting into like codependency or something. Well, and, and that's where society gets well, it. Even even <clears throat> even uh, just um, loneliness. Sure. Or the the you know the uh, avoidance of of that loneliness. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Which that defines some relationships, certainly. Yeah. Um, Which is the, the dependency piece. Yeah. 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 Um, and 
you know, is that is that right or wrong? It's not the best. It's not. The, it's it's but, not love. But it's not love, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, real fast, uh, mm-hmm. just to address the love and hate thing, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree mm-hmm. that indifference is the antithesis to love. Mm-hmm. However, I think that love and hate are two different directions to passion, and so that's kind of what I, I feel is that any kind of where there's ambiguity that allows room for the imagination, and with the imagination, you can transcend reality in a sense, like the, the interpretation of this present reality. And so that is where love and hate exist. So indifference is a lack of engagement into that. Um, and then love and hate is engagement uh, to the point where it's passion, but directional at that point. That's, and so, because I, I, see, I, see, I see hate as a product of love. Mm-hmm. Hate, is not, hate is not a separate entity. Well, so... I, I, I would express my passion... Yeah, I can express my passion, my love, in you know. So passion is, yeah. I mean, what what is that? Mm-hmm. Right? We haven't even defined what is passion. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, you know. I, yeah, what is that? So, what is that? Uh, a willingness to, and an excitedness to engage. Uh, so sure. So I have a passion for love, mm-hmm. and and then I and then I practice love with my wife. You have a passion for your wife, and then, so through that, you're engaging with her physically, mentally, emotionally. So that's, that's basically your bandwidth. So what happens when that passion, so what happens when that passion kind of wanes? So your passion for individual things can wane. So for instance. No, for my wife. What happens when my passion for my wife wanes? So what, passion is a suite. It's a, it's a suite of different engagements, mm-hmm. I would almost argue. Uh, I'm having to build this on the fly right I, now. I, that's, so. right, that's fine. I, yeah, that's, because, because this, I think, where you're going to find, this is where, to me, it's, it's, it's already broken. Yeah. But I want to see if we can get there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it's a suite of engagements. So one of those engagements, the passion for one of those uh, channels, if you may, could wane. So, for instance, physically. Or let's say she's just not mentally stimulating. Mentally waning. And almost kind of like high-tension cables on a bridge, if you have a lack of those, passion as a whole starts to exponentially drop. And you're like, I, why am I engaging in this? You start to question that and then slowly begin to disengage. And then thus the process of falling out of love. Right. And see, that, that's where I think it's broken is if I have a passion for love, mm-hmm. right, then that dictates because because, you know, in any relationship, you're, you're they're going to be uh, I don't like to do the whole up and down thing, but um, what what that is based off of is that gratification cycle of you're doing it for me. Right, mm-hmm. and because you're doing it for me, I'm going to be more invested in you. Mm-hmm. But when you're not doing it for me, I'm, I'm not going to be as invested to, in, 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 into you. Whereas if my focus is nope, what I'm going to do is decide to love you. Right, I, that, that's my passion for love. Right, because mm-hmm. even when it's hard, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how passion is communicated. Uh, and when it's not so hard, then I'm going to, uh, you know, it comes more natural. Um, then. Uh, it's just going to be easier for me to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't change how I love my wife mm-hmm. in that uh, actually what it 
my experience, what it's done is it's uh, as as we grow together, uh, or as we grow, it 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 informs how we would grow together, rather than. Uh, you know, I've heard this story six times. I don't need you to tell me anymore, so I'm going to check out mentally, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or, uh, you know, she looks at me and says, man, you know, when you were 32, you know, you had an eight-pack going on, and you don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so the this idea that, you know, and, and it seems kind of, uh, what's the word, like a, a cliche that, you know, uh, I'm still attracted to you, da, 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 you know, that whole thing. It's it's not a cliche. When I've decided to love my wife, uh, what I what I found is that the things that I might not have been attracted to when I was attracted to her at twenty seven, right? Uh, I'm attracted to. What am I trying to say here? It's not that I'm used to what she looks like. It's just that the the the, the whole piece, the intimacy that we've that we've created by determining to love one another mm-hmm. um, allows those things that at 27 we might have saw as a flaw they're actually something that I love about her mm-hmm. I mean does that make any sense right there yeah in my head it makes a lot of sense <laughs> but it's not coming out very well um, so anyway I, again I think I think the, the the idea or the the point is that as I have a passion to be in love mm-hmm. right so I, I've, I've been married and divorced and then remarried mm-hmm. and uh, shortly out of my divorce, I knew I will be married again. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that no, I I, I have a passion mm-hmm. for marriage, and then I would communicate that now is that no, I have a passion to be in love with a woman, and and I'm gonna mm-hmm. right. And then the deal was now who's it gonna be, and I ended up picking my wife, and she ended up picking me, and, and that whole deal. I was like great. And then when we got into it, uh, it wasn't the question of. Like how long are you here for? You know, we didn't didn't do that negotiation. My thing was like, no, I'm here forever. Uh, now the question is, is how how do we do that? Mm-hmm. And didn't do it well at first. Totally did not do it well at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. And so, but what what informed me to, to to get it figured out was I I had determined I no I I have a passion in me love, and I have determined to to love this person well. Mm-hmm. So Jeff. Uh, you're you're blowing this up, so you need to get straight. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back and relearn, or actually learn correctly how to do this, which you know addressed a whole bunch of other issues. But if it was just her, then I'd be like, oh, you know what, babe, this this is what happened. My first one, you know what, the reason why we're probably not clicking is because I don't know, I don't do it for you, and you don't do it for me. It's probably we should just we're just probably done. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that you know, um, a couple of things there is one we totally misconstrue what love is right. the whole concept of love is yeah. so mangled uh, that we we have no clue um, it was interesting when um, I thought how can a holy God make men and women in his image that have such a enormous sex drive especially in late teens uh, this doesn't make sense you know what why would he do this why what what's his game plan here you know and as I as I pondered that and thought about that is okay he has made us in such a way that we have this almost insatiable drive 
to to be close to another person. And I think that the drive is actually a drive for intimacy. Yes. Um, but it's manifests itself in, in sexual attraction, I think. And through that, he has put us in a situation where we have men and women, two very different in so many ways. And he put this attraction to force us to, to be together and to, to grow and develop and learn and um, mature in ways that we could never do on our own or almost, almost impossible on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that starts with that decision type love. And he was, Jeff was alluding to, uh, earlier I'd said, uh, uh, I was talking about, to my wife and she says, why do you love me so much? And I said, because I've decided to. And she didn't think that was very romantic. And uh, it's not. But it, to- it, it totally is, is. It is completely, yeah. yeah. It, I mean... It's uh, a testament if, to resolve, but... if Well, it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. Uh, you know, if you are... If you love the things about your wife... If that's what you're in love with, right. then what happens when those things change? Right. If you're in love with her long hair and she gets a haircut, she gets cancer. Yeah. Are you? Is it over? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, that's kind of an absurd example. No, but, it's, a, it's a great. Example. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's reductio ad absurdum. Find right, the breaking right, right. point in an idea. Yeah. And um, the the reason. I am so in love, deeply in love with my wife at this time, is because we've spent a lifetime prioritizing love, or no, prioritizing the relationship. Um, We have developed a concept that has just been transformative for me, and that is seeing the relationship as a separate entity, okay? My wife and I, each have selfish motives at times and and you know and you know well you know should I say something should I not you know I might offend her is this being selfish you know all of that but when you look at this third entity the relationship then you say okay I don't want to offend Teresa but this relationship is in need of of X. This this is needed by the relationship. This relationship will grow if if I give this to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so it's no longer a selfish thing. It's not not like you know. Well, I need sex, so you know you need to you know you need to accommodate me. Mm-hmm. It's. The relationship needs this intimacy, mm. and part of that intimacy is our sexual relationship, and it needs to be fed at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been so transformative for my life, and I see so many situations in other uh, people's lives. We're in a marriage class at, at church, and 
there's so many times where they're expounding on some some model or something and it to see the relationship as a separate entity transforms that model into something that is just obvious mm-hmm. and at least in my view uh, yeah, I don't know hope you realize what's worth fighting for mm-hmm. yeah and uh, should really trademark that yeah we really should need to give it a catchier name, probably. So it's funny you say that, because uh, my girlfriend and I, we say that uh, our relationship is a jet, and we're co-pilots. Yes. And that she's my co-pilot. The whole relationship as a whole is the huge jet behind us. So, uh, yeah, that that actually plays into uh, another thing that I just need to get out there, which is... um, and you guys being wise individuals as you appear to be. <laughs> oh, gosh, here uh, comes. Right, all right, no, but the, I've heard a ton of times, and I cringe every time I hear it, uh, about, like, oh, you complete me, or you're my better half, something like that. Like that. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, my girlfriend and I are two complete individuals right. uh, that are going to uh, be in a relationship together not two half individuals that somehow make a weird conglomeration yeah. of one person because what happens yeah because what happens so the, the, the way that I frame that man man you're <laughs> you're gonna leave a lot of open boxes here but uh, so when it comes to that so when it comes to all, all relationships mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who they're with right so uh, all relationships one you know you know everybody in four ways you know them spiritually you know them intellectually you know them uh, physically spiritually intellectually physically spiritually intellectually physically good gracious <laughs> nailed it and I know the fourth one mm-hmm. and I can't think of what it is spiritually intellectually physically geographically no it'll, it'll come <laughs> to me okay graphically <laughs> so more um, physically Right, more, more, and more physically. <laughs> so the relationship, uh, it needs to be, uh, it needs to. So uh, it draws you closer to the, to the, to. Uh, in Christian circles, we say it draws you closer to Jesus. So mm-hmm. outside of Christian circles, it would draw you closer to the highest relational authority in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so in Christian circles, if, if, uh, so in other words, if you if you're cheating with somebody. You're clearly not going to be you're not going to be drawn to Christ, right? You're you're trying to you don't want Jesus to see that, so you 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 put some intimacy in between the two of you, so that, that's not a good relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is it draws you to the the next type of relationship would be the spouse, you know, you and your you and your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. This relationship should draw you closer. It should draw you closer to her, and should draw her closer to you. Okay, uh, it needs to be intellectually, or sorry, it needs to be uh, pure uh, from a, from an honesty standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right, and now we often frame that as uh, I'm not lying to you, right? So I'm not gonna lie to you. You're not gonna lie to me, and therefore our, it's our relationship's gonna be pure. But there's different deals, right? So it means you're not gonna call her off at work, and you know make up some BS excuse because you guys want to go hike, mm-hmm. because that's not being you're not being honest now, right? Follow. Mm-hmm. And then and what happens is when you start doing that, when you start lying for one another. Or start, you know, once that dishonesty starts to creep in, you, you start to, to blow it up. And then the fourth one is that uh, it leaves you with a higher sense of self-esteem. So this person can go away tomorrow. Your girlfriend can go away tomorrow. Mm. And you're not now crushed because she's not there. Sad, 
Yes, but not, you know, oh, you complete me. I'm gone. <laughs> now what? Right. Mm -hmm. It leaves you with a higher sense of self-esteem. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you, you, you keep those, those things in, in check. And in all relationships, it motivates you to um, the, the relationship. It, it's like, a, it's like a, the canary in the coal mine to make sure that this is a healthy relationship. So for a Christian, if having this relationship is not drawing me closer to Christ, then I need to set some different boundaries on this relationship, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not drawing me closer to my wife, then um, I need to set some different boundaries on that relationship. If I find out I'm uh, being dishonest in order to maintain this relationship, the relationship is not healthy. And clearly, if I'm not left with a higher sense of self-esteem, then, then the relationship is not, is not healthy, mm -hmm. right? So if we, if we do that, if we think about how we know people, and um, and then the things that the the way the relationship has to reflect, then that gives us a better sense of that allows us to be a, comp a complete individual, mm -hmm. and then I can I can bring my best self and really what we're talking about is being competent, mm -hmm. right? I can bring myself as a competent individual to the relationship, and then you have another competent person that comes to the relationship, and when you don't have those things, what happens is like boundaries break down, right? So what happens is is, is I'll cave to you. As long as I think that you're happy with me and you'll let me stay around, mm -hmm. right? And and dependency. right, and you'll do the other thing. And and the way I frame that is, is I'll put up enough of your stuff, just enough, that you'll put up with enough of my stuff, just enough that I don't have to have to actually have to expose the really stuff I'm worried about you finding out. Like I've got a thing for strawberry milk, mm -hmm. and I don't want to ever have to tell you. So I have to figure out what line I can get to that you'll stay around, you know, but I don't have to actually show you all this. Mm -hmm. But all of this, the stuff I don't want to show you, is what actually is going to make the relationship. Yeah, that leads to fulfillment, mm -hmm. kind of like what you yes. were saying, intimacy. I hate to do the like uh, fortune cookie breakdown, but mm -hmm. into me, you see. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's basically as individuals, whenever we get to know someone, whenever we have a conversation, it's that we we're hoping to be understood we're hoping to be known mm -hmm. and because of the nature of how uh, we have conversations or debates or interactions people generally uh, get to know a projection of us mm -hmm. uh, not the true us right. and which is kind of what you were saying a, a while ago you it may be safer but it is not fulfilling it's like living your life off of tofu mm -hmm. and uh, so with those letting people see the mm -hmm. the complete you uh, and being able to correctly articulate yourself uh, that individual is able to see you on a more complete basis mm -hmm. which allows for better grounds also kind of as you were saying um, I definitely agree with uh, kind of the behaviors that are red flags behaviors that are beneficial I love looking at things as effectiveness, which is basically like working towards values, established values, and then sustainability. So a lot of those unhealthy uh, behaviors, whether it's in relationships or you as an individual, it's because they're unsustainable. It's short-term goal or short-term gain for long-term effect. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. The fourth one was emotionally. You know somebody emotionally. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. Right. Ding, got it in. I'll, it. I'll edit it later. Right. So it's yeah, like, you're fit. like, these are the four. <laughs> right, these are the four. But yeah, and so, yeah, and that, 
The man likes that, man. He just opened up a huge box. <laughs> Do you know what? Well, so, side note, I, I enjoy talking to both of you guys. If you guys are, are willing, I'll go to your uh, uh, El Paso County school district meetings if you have more podcasts. So, it'll be a trade off. I'll do more podcasts without you going to them. Yeah. Because yeah. if you come to you have to bring me coffee. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. do you guys know about the Sapper Wharf hypothesis? No. I, I love it, which is, it's basically, I'm sure you guys, once I say it, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, it's the language you know shapes mm-hmm. the world you see. Sure. So whatever language you, you speak, it can alter kind of how you see reality. Yeah. And that's why I really like the, uh, uh, kind of what you were saying earlier, Scott, um, love has almost the the word at least has taken on like almost a flippant yes. uh, level where like I love you is equivalent to saying what's up and well, so it's it's become flippant but it's also become a uh, something of such monumental uh, stature that it can't can't stand on its own legs yeah yeah, I love that. That uh, it, people getting into a relationship that purely believe in that version of love will most often be left wanting, and then they think that they're not in love, which isn't true. Whether it's well, not attainable or the, yeah. you the feed it different love. I mean, mm-hmm. just the whole concept. Yeah, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that comes back to the whole. And see, and see, and you know, your your bit about the language is perfect. And so, what we have here is we have a very similar worldview, like the same worldview, mm-hmm. and in and it, and it frames languages like uh, love is love is something you determine to do, right? And and why I love this person different than this person, and why that looks well is the other variables come in. You know, my wife is hot, and I was attracted to her mm-hmm. right great guy you just don't do it for me <laughs> so so you know automatically it self-selects right and uh and then in and, and then you do get into that negotiation and you do get to that point where um okay i want you to know me right i i like you enough i you know i or i i like you enough that sounds a little weird but you know i've, I've determined that i like you like you you um you're interesting to me i want to get to know you better and now i want I want to be the one that, that you feel that way about, mm-hmm. right? I don't want you to settle. I want you to want me to want you. Mm-hmm. And then, and I certainly want that whole deal. And more, I want to be, I want you, <laughs> sounds like that song, right? I want you to want me to pick you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right? So now we're talking marriage versus we meet, go, you know, I like them. I, I think we should hang out. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you go hang out with some other people, I'm not going to be crushed. Because I haven't, I've made that determination. I still love you. I still want the best for you. Mm-hmm. If I, if I could give you a million dollars, I would. If I could give you the secret, you know, if, if I could do all these things, I would. But I'm, we're not ever going to go to this level, right? And that's a determination. And then these other factors come into that piece. And hence, in love, to to me is like, I mean, can you not see the train wreck, <laughs> right? When I hear that, I'm like, oh gosh, this is not going to end well for you, you know. And you're so pretty, right? I mean. You're great. You're done. <laughs> and give me a second. Seven hours. You're done. Seven hours. See, I mean, you can almost calculate it, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, divorce once. So, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like I just, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We learn. Yeah, it's coming. From, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the my marriage of 40 years, there's, I mean, huge learning. And there was, you know, points along the way that, you know, I don't think either one of us 
had any any thought of of getting off the train. Right. But um, there were definitely rough spots, and mm. we didn't do things well, either of us, mm. for a large portion of that time. But that commitment remained, and that commitment drove us to learn, mm-hmm. drove us to get better, to get better at loving each other, and get better as individuals. Um, it's it's a powerful force. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that um, you know, it's interesting. Like when we talk about like the boomer generation. And granted, they made a divorce a thing, but that's also the, that and the silent generation, right? So the, the, those are where you would typically hear that, you know, we stayed married because that's what you did, right? And so we learned to live with each other. Mm-hmm. Who wants to live in that, right? Mm-hmm. Who wants to live in that? And so that, that piece about the determining and, and making these decisions, it's not just the decision to, to make it work, but it's, it's the decision to make this a relationship I want to die making work. Like I want, I want to die here. Like if I had all the other choices to make, I wouldn't. I would choose this, uh, which which means that um, I want to be as I want to know you. I want to. I want to. I want to want to get to know you. You know, fifteen years in, as I do three months in, right? Uh, I want to be as crazy about you twenty years from now as I am today. You know, and and you, and that sounds like oh, that sounds like chocolate cake. But no, I mean, what, what does it take to do that, right? What does it take to to come in? And and that's the, I mean, that's the vulnerability piece because because what, what you find out is, it's again, it's not necessarily the packaging, it's the it's the it's the intimacy, the experiences that we've had together, um, with, uh, keeping in mind that that those are the things that attract us to, the the intimacy piece, right? The the reason why I want to know what you think is um, because you have determined to be intellectually stimulating, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not have weather conversations. And, and if, I'm, if there's topics that, you know, like my wife and I don't really talk a lot of politics, mm-hmm. and, and, and she'll entertain me for a while and she'll go, okay, go, go call Scott, right? Um, and, and I'll do the same thing to her. There's things that she wants to talk about. And I'm like, yeah, no. Hmm. Uh, because I can't, I, can't, I can't maintain that level to engage. The most loving thing I can do for her is to say, but you need to be stimulated in this, in this arena. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the person that does that for you. And so where, where, I've, where I've become the hot factor is I'm the one that heard her and saw her and saw these things mm-hmm. and said, no, you need to go do that there. So it doesn't mean that's the, I, I, I don't complete her. Like mm-hmm. I'm not her everything, she's not my everything. Um, but yeah, because that's giving one person all of the keys to your happiness. Oh God. Well, and, yeah, and, and it know. doesn't work. It just yeah. doesn't work. It's it's impossible. Yeah. It's not even that. It just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, we're I not think, like I the think, world's most interesting guys. I would oh, be God. willing to well, give my wife but, yeah. keys to everything. You know, yeah. that's not that's not an issue. Yeah, but that's not best for the relationship. The relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's that's self destructive. Yeah. And also energy where we are limited individuals sure yeah we were sure but uh to finish off that uh the multiple word thing that's why i like uh mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. greek uh levels of love and right. all of those mm-hmm. kind of established yeah. different mm-hmm. levels mm-hmm. used for it um i wish we knew more i mean I, I wish that was put out there more you know which which it's not i mean it just doesn't sell it's not what? sexy it doesn't it doesn't you know you can't 
you can't put tight pants on it and sell it. Yeah, um, I've seen it. It doesn't work. Yeah, because yeah. I know about it because I grew up in the church, sure. and so that's one of the things. What is it like? Agave? No, I'm kidding. Agave. agave. I think agave. I love agave. Yeah. So that's yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that one's a tequila. <laughs> I don't. That's love the distilled version. The distilled version. I don't yeah. love that anyway because that then kills there's, me. There's Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> that one's not sustainable though. Well, yeah. Yeah. What? Right, right. If you have a cook. <laughs> yeah. We just wrecked this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, no, the but, layers. What are they? But agape. The thing is, yeah. you know, you have the agape and all that, mm. and there's so even that language is so limited. I mean, mm. um, what we're talking about in marriage, and relationship, and intimacy <laughs> is, you know, I, I consider that love. My wife considers that love. Mm. I know that Jeff does, but talking to you, I'm not certain. I, I think you've got an idea of that. Um, to hear somebody... More case you know, studies needed. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I see the, the media, the Hollywood, the, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, you know, promotion of love, this love story or that right. love story, you know, and it's just, it's, it's like, yeah. what what are you doing? I don't mean to get real Marxist, point? but what that does is it sells something to you. Right. Yeah, which makes you a better consumer. You're like, oh, right. that's what love is. Every kiss begins with K. Something like that. Yeah, it's a sweeped off your feet stuff. Yeah. It's an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's, it's not, what was interesting was sustainable. And, and, and oh, I'm gonna cut you off. Was especially when I when I was, so I was, uh, so with my wife, <laughs> like we did it all backwards, right? We shacked up, had kids, got a house, mm-hmm. got a house, had kids, and then got married, mm-hmm. uh, and then into the marriage. So we'd already you know, we had lots of history into the marriage in a, into a few years, and I realized, man, kid, you're you're like you've seen where this goes like mm. but you've already committed you're not going anywhere especially now with your kids right you're not you're not going anywhere uh so you you you're walking yourself quickly into a relationship that you don't want right it's just going to be soul crushing mm-hmm. uh and so you gotta you gotta get this figured out and uh and i thought i knew what i was doing right so i, I really did and my nature is once i've once i've determined i know what i'm doing i'm doing that mm. right and you're so, not lying yeah and so uh, so that was a, that was a big deal. But anyway, when I started to understand again, like what what these components of relationship look like, what was really uplifting because in in that deal, like in in this in this in this space where I realized, oh my gosh, you blew this up, was oh my gosh, you picked so poorly. Mm-hmm. Right? What a it's what a the mindset. What a, well, no, I picked poorly. <laughs> like hmm. like and and so did she, right? So so you get into the deal. And you realize, oh my gosh, if I knew what I know now, we probably wouldn't necessarily be together. That's fascinating. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because why? Like, why? What, when you go in and accessorize, you know, whatever you're going to get the way you want it, mm-hmm. you know, to, okay. And, and I hate using that analogy, but it sort of works there. But what was so encouraging when I started to realize this idea of determination, determining that you're going to love, and what, what love actually looks like, was you could take a, a quote unquote, a a bad decision, man. If she ever hears this, I'm done. Um, but she's you, gonna hear this. She's gonna, yeah. Well, you know, you would take a decision a you wouldn't other make, but but you can come back and you can and 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 they work. Like you can apply um, the, the, these principles to 
to not just again make the relationship one that you can you know survive in but rather no you actually turned me on mm-hmm. right i want to be here and thank god it's usually because a lot of those components generally exist you know so one of my things is that one you tend to pick somebody you end up with somebody that you're at a similar maturity level Mm-hmm. Right, you, health. You know, if there's like a health scale, one to ten. If you're a five, she's likely a six, five, or a four. She, mm-hmm. She's right in there. It almost never happens that one's a ten and one's a two. Mm-hmm. Why would a ten be attracted to a two? Yeah, doesn't work that way. Right, right. And 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 the ten, you know, the person that's that mature recognizes that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Really pretty, can't can't. Yeah, you're not for me. Right, or you know, however that works. Um, it worked on the Big Bang Theory, right? Right, and so. Um, <laughs> And hence the ways you know people because there's a maturity scale in there as well, right? And so all these little things got to line up. But anyway, but that's good because then what I find out is, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna suddenly uh, start to understand how to do a relationship mm-hmm. and go, oh my gosh, you really just don't turn me on, mm-hmm. right? Now that happens. And oftentimes those cases do, even when they're trying to really work on it, doesn't work, right? Um, but anyway, so what, what I, you know, find out is I go, well, you know, my wife's not dumb. She's actually mm-hmm. really smart. Uh, she just has, you know, she she has different things that she likes than, that I like and da, 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 you know, so ideally, sure, we would both, um, I don't know, when I used to hunt, we would both go hunting more or we both like to ski. So that was our that was our deal, you know, so this thing. So we might find more of those. But anyway, you can as you apply yourself to these these principles, you find out that uh, I can almost plug and play. I can I can make this work with anybody. Hence, all relationships are the same. If I treat you the same as I treat my wife, then we can have a mature relationship. Mm-hmm. Now you have a decision, like if you're going to reciprocate, but that's at ten and two, mm-hmm. right? So I might be really mature, and you might decide not to be, or you just don't have that capacity. Then our, we're just not going to have a relationship, you know. But with my wife and I, we would still have that relationship. As I was growing, she was growing. Mm-hmm. Hey, this works. Hey, now this is kind of a turn on. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I like talking to you. Uh, I like engaging with you emotionally. We, you know, we started to become more compatible. Um, and so emotionally, like I was really emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so she could tell me some of the th- things that were just like, um, you know, just very emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, a mature person would reciprocate and Jeff would not. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no, we're not doing, we're not doing that one. You know, mm-hmm. so Jeff was at a two, right? And she was at a whatever. But as I grew, you know, I was able to to, to correct that, address that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, the motivation it, to grow was that desire for intimacy. Yes, and then so what happens is, is I realized, man, and once I grew, you know, and like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm more attracted to her now than I was, mm-hmm. uh, and vice versa. So she tells me, um, because we made these determinations, mm-hmm. right? Which I could have done with anybody because, you know, I wasn't gonna pick someone that I wasn't necessarily attracted to, and you know, in just the right areas and, and, mm-hmm. and that whole deal. Uh, but anyway, so that was the, that's the encouraging thing to me about uh, about the non swept off your feet love. Uh, because if it's a swept off your feet deal, what happens when you are not swept off your feet and you can't fix that? Mm-hmm. Right? You can't fix that. My mom used to, it was There's great. No tools. There's no Yeah. There, I mean, and it's unfixable. Right? Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. And my mom used to tell me when she was great, and I didn't pick up on this till later, but uh, I would, you know, I'd be dating a girl or whatever, and, and, and my mom would always comment, and the, the pretty wasn't something my mom would talk about. It'd be like, oh, she's really smart, she's really driven, da da da. I remember I came home. Uh, I was dating this girl. Was a, she's really pretty, and uh, or you know she's a cute girl, that whole deal. And um, we stopped by the house or something, and uh, whatever. And my mom looked at, "What are you doing with her?" And I was like, uh, "Okay." And I was a little bit older, and so I'm thinking, "Man, I wonder if she thinks like we're 
hitting it or something like that or whatever and whatever and then, and now my mom's like she's dumb as a box of rocks mm-hmm. you you th- not like not gonna work for you mm-hmm. um yeah it was later I thought good gracious my mom was brilliant right because mm-hmm. I realized my mom's like you you like girls that have an informed opinion and a voice and I was like well yeah you're right because you sit there and argue with them mm-hmm. because you want to hear what they think yeah you're right because yeah some other guys don't like that mm-hmm. you don't not like that well, right, and to figure it out. Yeah, and those are the people. You know, so what I'm saying is, that you tend to pick people like that. You know, and so if you're, you know, my mom was cued into that. And that's a, the job of the adult. But once you get cued into that, you tend to pick people that are again similarly on that maturity mm-hmm. schedule uh, scale, and then you can make those things work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, but you have to determine to come back to them. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I want to. So you keep using uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. I uh, I guess you could sum that up as like self awareness. You you know your your values sure, you, part of you, you know yeah. what you're interested in and you're also you have a degree of a commitment to self-improvement and yeah. that uh, i just want to get back so there aren't like a host of characteristics about my girlfriend that i i like well rather there are a host of characteristics that i love but none of them are contingent except for a willingness and a uh, uh direction of self-improvement yeah uh, a desire to grow if that stopped that's where right. I would start to lose that passion and fall out of love. Well, and here's what happens with that. And, and we talked about this concept before where um, you have a thing that you design. Mm-hmm. You design in failure points, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I would call it a design in failure point because what'll ha- what typically happens is as, as one person matures and the other person refuses to mature, mm-hmm. this person is going to sabotage the relationship, mm-hmm. right? They're going to do something stupid. Right, and so it might be something like infidelity. Mm-hmm. Okay, relationships wrecked, you know, or could be wrecked. Right? Uh, okay, that doesn't work. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. I'm um, gonna get myself a good vice, you know. And so all these things begin to wreck the relationship, mm-hmm. and it's almost once that happens, I refuse to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you can almost plot where you, one the relationship's done, and two you can almost plot when it, when it's destruction. Now there are plenty of people. Plenty of people that stick stick to it, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not going to let it go. They they understand what they walked themselves into, uh, and and they're cool with that. And I applaud them. Uh, and, and I'm not saying I, I wouldn't, uh, but <laughs> I guess I guess the failsafe is that uh, I, what ends up happening is just the nature of behavior is that this the person that refuses because one of the things that they're doing uh, an interesting thing when you when you go get counseling. You have two people. One person's really jacked. Mm-hmm. They're they're I don't know. They're they're an addict, right? They're drunk. Mm-hmm. They go get help, right? And they start to mature. Okay. Now, this person this didn't this this relationship didn't just happen. This person chose a drunk. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. So they might have been a good person, and that's what happens, right? They're the good person. They've got their stuff together. They're the dependable one. This person starts to get straight. Now this person's flaws start to become apparent. And the problem is that this person's never had to address their flaws because they've always been the mature component. Mm-hmm. Now this person is catching up on maturity and all this, and these, you know, and so and, and it's not unusual for this person now to become resentful, to feel like they're the one on the back foot. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and and in that space, until you know someone gets a hold of that, um, it's not uncommon for that to wreck the relationship. Yeah, I've seen that with weight loss too. Sure. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. 
And again, that's that that's that you know that that issue that maturity factor issue. Uh, so again, you know, again the 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 aspect of the human dynamic and just the way these things work. That if you refuse to, uh, and what what saves it or what salvages a relationship is this person realizes, okay, I've got stuff to work on too. Mm-hmm. And once we start doing that, okay, now now this relationship almost can't not start to work well mm-hmm. because now you have two per, two people that have determined themselves to grow. And they know what that looks like, and they set back. Sure, they will, but we know how to address that, and we'll, you know, we can work through that. But it's it's the refusal to grow. That's that, a, that kills it. Yeah, that's incredibly important for uh, real fast, and then yeah, um, that's incredibly important for relationships, romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But also, so I've trained a bunch of people. Uh, mm-hmm. and I used to be an office manager, and if I had an issue with someone, I would say like, hey. Uh, just to get it out of the way, I'm a doofus, you're a doofus. Once you run into a person that will not admit that they're wrong, right. that's where you have severe issues Can and you? failure yeah. points. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Um, something that is kind of interesting, you said that the, you know, the, the, the breaking point or whatever, the uh, failure point of the relationship is when the other person no longer wants to grow or willing to grow. And... As I getting older, approaching, you know, looking at what the decline of aging will bring, mm-hmm. that poses some interesting questions mm-hmm. with that. Um, will my wife always strive to to grow and to be better, or is? What does managing the decline look like? Mm-hmm. Whether it be physical or mental, mm-hmm. um, that's for me unexplored territory. But um, you know, my my father um, mm-hmm. he died from Alzheimer's, and he um, became once he got to the point where he was in the nursing home, I I couldn't visit. I just it just was not the man that I grew up with, the man that I admired, that I loved, and I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't bring myself uh, to visit him when he was in the nursing home. Um, the miles made it easier, excuse. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, my wife has, has asked me, you know, what happens if, if that happens to me? You know, and... Um, I want to say that I'll stick by you no matter what, but you know, I didn't do such such a great job with my father. Um, how will I handle that with my wife if that comes to pass? You know, so even in that, I can't say that there is a break point or a deal breaker for me in that. Um, I guess a good way to approach that is um, have you identified regret? With my father, yeah. Yeah. Then in that case, it's I feel like it would be a cost-benefit analysis. Was that regret? Is that something that you think about quite often? Is that something that weighs on you heavily? And that if you greatly outlive your wife, if that happens, is that something you can live with? So you have luckily or not luckily uh but this is not your first rodeo in a sense and i'm not even saying like your your wife has no signs of alzheimer's or anything just to clarify but um you you've experienced the situation 
so at that point you can make almost a better informed uh, informed decision and and, and, and so, so I really similar with my dad um, I actually when I spoke at his funeral I addressed that um, because it, it, it hammered me right and um, I framed that was that you, you have to determine to do the hard thing which if you've ever heard me use that is where oh, it came yeah. from oh, yeah. and what what I realized is I had I had that hard time processing I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do with that mm-hmm. and so what I did was I didn't do with that yeah. and so what I found was um, like with when Pat died when Rob died um, I remember Rod you know I was and Rod couldn't talk and I, I went and saw him you know a lot right there at the end and uh, he got really he got annoyed with me he just had to look at you you know because I was crying and he went around and I said no I said this is me being selfish right because I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not like uh, begrudging that you're dying and that you've chosen to die I just realized that you know in some point some point I don't get to hang out with you and, and I'm sad for myself but it was huge for me to be there Mm-hmm. Right, because I knew I knew uh, <laughs> a long time ago uh, that cost benefit analysis you keep talking about. For me, it was winning. If I could, if I if I couldn't see a potential win, then you know I bailed. Didn't play the game. Yeah, I was. Just, that's how I won. Uh, the emotional unavailability thing, right? And so, uh, man, I, how well does that serve you, right? And so then I realized I came to a point my divorce, and I realized, man, you don't always win, and there's there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> Right, you, you you can lose. That's so. Then the question was, well, how do I lose well? Right, and what I, and how you lose well for me was to learn. Yeah. And as it came to my dad, so, oh, really, gosh dang, really, my dad had a stroke and I couldn't talk to him, and it was that whole thing. Uh, was uh, was okay. How do I learn to how do I learn to deal with that? How do I learn to deal with that? And I remember my cousin or my aunt, his his sister. You know, she was down there all the time to, to see him, and I was just in such admiration of how she processed that that I really was like, how do you do that? To me? Mm-hmm. And um, but so like with Rod dying, with Pat uh, dying, and and yeah, and it's just that it's been that deal of um, all right, how do, how do I not make that mistake again, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and I with agree. Rod, that was, yeah, that was, I treated that very differently. Mm-hmm. A little easier because mm-hmm. he was, you know, I mean, Not he couldn't really close. talk to you. Mm-hmm. But, and, and there's so much deal uh, attached to that. But again, that's that. So you talk about determining to love. Right, so if I'm gonna make the determination, it's not just again, and it's not just seeing this is where this is where that that deal falls apart. Uh, it's not just determining to love your wife. No, it's determining to love, and part of that is you, mm. right? So if I'm passionate about love, how do I self care? And part of that is my desire to mature, right? Because because mm-hmm. that's really what the call of Christ is. That's what love means, right? Love you. Uh, a long time ago, I realized that you can't uh, relationship doesn't stay stagnant either. It grows or sta- or, or it regresses. It mm-hmm. never you never actually pick up where you left off. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, and it's same same for you. So or me, you know, etc. So you know, we have a choice. And what am I going to do about it? Uh, good gracious, you know, I hate the conversations you brought up, but. That's what I see you doing. And then, unfortunately for you, you have people that are going to be like, hey, <laughs> right? Hey, that, oh, hard, yeah. that hard thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to run. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> you don't get to do that, mm-hmm. which, again, is loving, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. To, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that's, how, that's, mm-hmm. how I, that's how I would see that going. Um, but that just triggers that thought when you say yeah. that. Oh, that's, that's huge. That's a deal breaker or whatever. Yeah. You know. um, 
But it, it, it well, talks. So uh, a thing that would keep me there is uh, I want to get into a, a larger thing a little bit later. But for me, I view people as whole. So I, I personally had like anxiety of like if I'd leave a party and be like, was I, I was, I was kind of weird. Oh man, I hope they don't take it too rough. But then that changed when I decided to trust my friends in their own wisdom and ability right. to see me as a complete entity and mm-hmm. as a whole. So if I have 50 years of amazing time and then like a short stint of like mm-hmm. Alzheimer's or, or some other kind of uh, uh, illness, I'm going to view that as a whole, that relationship as a right, whole. Right, right, right. And so that's that's a huge thing. Another thing I wanted to address about your um, uh, past emotional and vulnerability mm-hmm. um, is uh, I, I love the saying that we accept the love that we think we deserve. So I wonder if you thought of yourself as someone that was easy to love. And so therefore you look for signs that showed people like falling in love with you at a drop of a hat, something like that. And then with the understanding that growing maturity that, hey, I may be a difficult person to love. That's where you might have started to open up some of those doors of like, yeah, how can I be more uh, emotionally uh, available? And so... Maybe that was all BS. Maybe maybe some of that's true. No, I, I don't know. I, th- I think... Um, <laughs> so a, a great book that every guy should ever read is Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I uh, I realized when I was going through some of that and, and I was and I was wondering the, why was I engaged the way that I engaged. And, when, and really, my relationships really were... Um, I, I don't want to say I was, I was manipulative, but it was, uh, I want certain things from you. And uh, if you're willing to provide those, then I'll provide I'll provide what you need, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I think manipulative probably is pretty sure. Pretty mm-hmm. But it wasn't like I, I wasn't trying to make them do anything. It was mm-hmm. totally you're free to yes or no, and at any time you can yes or no, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but this is the way I am, and uh, this is how Jeff's gonna roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now that's really cool, right? Because then uh, it 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 means I didn't have to get into the sensitive stuff mm-hmm. I, I really I didn't, I didn't have to get into that uh, and that could be that could be one of my deal breakers and at times I might be willing to get into that and mm-hmm. a lot of times I was like well no like no yeah and that's just not you know, that's not that's not part of the arrangement so but what I what I realized going back through you know the whole the origin idea right so is was that my dad was also emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. right and, and I don't think he was damaged or anything like that it was just the way he was mm-hmm. so you know I didn't have a lot of heart to heart talks with my dad I remember I remember distinctly my dad one day we were, we were chit chatting and uh, there was somebody we were chit chatting about something and he was talking about how uh, there, there's somebody that was kind of living off like off the grid right and my dad had said that that would be like his ideal mm-hmm. would it be to, to live that way so basically by himself mm-hmm. um, yeah and and, and I wasn't like, I, I recognized right away, that's a hard man. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you know what it takes to do that? Right? Yeah, we're hardwired for connection. Sure. And for my dad, and I, and I did not doubt my dad for a second <laughs> that he could do that. Right? And I recognized right away, that's a hard man right there. And that's good because he's my dad. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and my dad was a good guy. My dad provided well. He didn't beat me. You know, he's a good guy. I, I aspire, you know, uh, I, you know, we just didn't, we didn't communicate a lot. We didn't talk a lot. And, and so part of that was I, I recognized what that took. And I think I, I recognized what that was and what that took. Mm-hmm. And that's what I became. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so part of that, and I realized later, I was like, well, that was just <laughs> emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. What was really ironic, what was really interesting, was after my dad retired, uh, they moved. Totally immersed in, in uh, the ch- local church. Mm-hmm. Got into, uh, he was a canoe instructor for the Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. He was doing all this stuff. And I was like, you are so full of crap mm-hmm. yeah, no your ideal is right here like you know like, you love this yeah, and yeah. as do I I like I'm, I'm actually an introvert but I I, I I find people interesting someone mm-hmm. said you love people I was like yeah that's a great way to put that right so yeah being off in a cabin I could do it I could do that mm-hmm. I, it would suck right um, but anyway so that that I think that taught me uh, and then that stuff's sensitive, right? That stuff is, is, is sensitive to get in. You know, we've all got our stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I was just, I was just, it, the reward was, you know, now let's go do that fun thing. Mm-hmm. I want to go do that. Uh, and at the time I was young, I was in the military, um, very driven to do, you know, jump out of airplanes and, and do those things. And the union got no time for why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. You know, well, feel what way? Right? Just like with the concept of love, there's mm-hmm. multiple different concepts of manliness and what sure. it means to be a man, and totally. a lot of those are flawed. Yes, completely. So, oh, yeah. yeah, yes, which, which was demonstrated. You know, like I just remember seeing my dad thinking, "Oh, you are so." I wish I had a video recording of that, you know, because I would totally play that. I'm sure you chuckle at it, but <laughs> I did. I thought it was just freaking funny. So I'm fascinated with the drivers that change who we are, kind of like that uh, right. diversify the outcome. And so a lot of times our modular value systems, so mm-hmm. value systems change. So mm-hmm. it sounds like the reason why you became a hard man for a bit, yeah, that's in, is because uh, you valued who your dad was. You, you valued uh, kind of how he came off and so with that you were way more accepting of that idea so kind of for me i um i wasn't huge into uh, this isn't nearly as like profound as like uh, fathership all that stuff but uh i wasn't really into funk music uh until i learned about the techniques mm-hmm. to make funk music mm-hmm. and so that changed a value for me and in turn i became interested in this brand new field Right. And so same kind of thing in reverse can happen. Once sure. you see the, the fallacies, the, right. the holes in a concept, that might you might change that value system. Right. Then you're no longer interested in it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, uh, rap was my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I, like, yeah, Ron DNC, you know, I like those deals. But um, I was listening to Eminem mm-hmm. one day and, just, and listening to Eminem. Mm-hmm. And, and I like words. And, uh, and I was like, man, this guy's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like just the way he part, you know, puts them together. He's a lyricist, you know, and I was like, he's brilliant. And the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. And mm-hmm. then, and, and then I like the play. I just like the craft. Yeah. And then, and then I would hear somebody else, and I'd say, ah, oh, that's not as good. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And then, oh, now I have to go listen to another one. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, that's good. Oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and and then and then all of a sudden I'm like, so Pantera and hip hop. Like mm-hmm. rap specifically, right? <laughs> That's yeah. fascinating and hilarious. It's the same, mind. but it's the same deal, right? Yeah. I become interested in the thing. Yeah. Well, so uh, part of my goals for self development mm-hmm. is to change the way I, I view life from a negative to a positive. I think it's easy to be. Uh, 
kind of develop a, a negative approach to looking at life and to kind of see things as a zero-sum game that uh, other things need to fail or you need to put things down for the things you value or you yourself to be uh, heightened to a better position and you to win or whatever. And so um, uh, also, what, what's the term where you change your mindset from a scarcity to an abundancy mindset? Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, I used to have a lot of anxiety uh, to make podcasts, to blog, to do graphic design, to create videos, because I was like, holy crap, every moment I am running out of time. I'm getting closer to death. Mm -hmm. And so I changed that viewpoint into, holy crap, this is a great idea. I can't wait for this to exist. And so I've also come up with another concept uh, called touch and go. Uh, I call it touch and go, which is basically if I bring up something negative, I end with a positive. Like, yeah, that person's super weird because of this. Uh, But I think it's cool that they do this. Something like that. Kind of a touch and go. Kind of breed more uh, positivity into into my life so uh part of that is to become more interested in things i believe that you can't just be like i'm gonna love everything i'm gonna be super interested in everything and so with that i'm examining my value systems and uh, examining like why does my girlfriend like this tv show Mm -hmm. and i'll sit there and kind of like you with eminem you listen to it i would sit down and watch it and kind of think of like what it'd be like to write a show like that and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, that is meta, and that was great. I like this show. Right. Yeah. So. The, uh, it was interesting you said that. One thing that I've, I've learned about myself is, and my mother was like this a lot too, probably where I came from, but uh, the, whenever you start to learn something, you 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 learn by leaps and bounds, and right. it's very easy, and it's very fascinating and it just you just learn one thing after another and it just just falls into place and it's very exciting and interesting but after a certain point with a given subject you have to put in a lot more effort right. to uh, to get to the next level it's kind of like the difference between reading uh, Scientific American and getting a PhD mm-hmm um, and I really enjoy the the endorphins, I guess, the, of this this roller coaster ride of this climb mm-hmm. up to this inflection point. Mm-hmm. But I, in many times, I don't have the patience to to go beyond that, or the, my interest kind of wanes after that. But I find that it has served me well in many ways because. I have a moderate to working knowledge of many, many different subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, it's not going to make me rich, probably, but it might help me survive. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great because um, I think what that does, uh, your brain begins to build a model of the world mm-hmm. uh, with all of that knowledge that you have um, and basically run a simulation. Uh, with a more complete model of the world, you can make better decisions mm-hmm. because you factor in more and more variables. So I, That's an interesting point. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing I wanted to talk about uh, earlier is uh, about like visiting someone with Alzheimer's or something like that. So uh, surprise, I'm not religious. And so uh, I had to. Are we done? Basic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't engage with this. Guy. No. Uh, Heretic. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, go ahead. So um, <laughs> what was interesting is uh, as I left the church, if you may, I don't mean to over-dramatize it, mm-hmm. but uh, I had to develop my own moral compass. And so Immanuel Kant uh, worked on that uh, mm-hmm. to develop like right and wrong, not tied to religion. Mm-hmm. And so mine was kind of like, it feels like a shortcut, but is really effective because I, I had already to some point developed moral compass. Right. And so what I did is uh, mental gymnastic, if you may, of uh, imagining that I was a character in a book and that uh, would I, uh, even if I'm not the main character, would I read uh, what this character is doing and like every interaction and uh, say, wow, this guy's an a-hole or oh, he's cool or kind of a scumbag, kind of an underwhelming character, like uh, kind of indifferent towards him. And it really, uh, I developed it around conflict resolution because I was very reactionary. I'd be like, hey, shut the hell up, like whatever. And I'm like, how can I do this where if someone was reading this book, uh, I would look like the bigger man. So it's something very similar to probably where uh, people that are religious drive a degree of a moral compass. And so uh, one example, and then I'll I'll hear what you got to say, Scott. Um, It was kind of a funny example. As I was starting to implement this, I went into a Goodwill and I was getting like a pair of really nice leather shoes and they're like, $15 $15 or $16 or something like that. And then there was another pair of leather shoes that were like nine bucks. And so I'm like, huh. And I took both of them into the changing room and I started peeling off the sticker and I was going to swap them. And then halfway through, I was like, I wouldn't necessarily hate a character that did this in a book. I just think like, that's bizarre and to an extent unneeded and kind of an underwhelming character. And so I was like, oh, whatever, dude, I don't even care. And so I left the same sticker on the same shoes, brought them back, and brought the more expensive pair, the pair that I wanted that fit, up to the counter. And the guy scanned it, and he's like, oh, there's a deal on this. It's uh, six bucks. <laughs> I was like, there's a lesson to be learned here. Was, uh, God was talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> Surprise, you didn't leave. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, when, uh, I guess the... One of the primary questions I have is, how do you decide if that character is an a-hole or a good guy or underwhelming? I will answer that question as soon as I get my charger. One second. (laughs) It's a generic one, so... I just pressed record. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. So... um, yeah, to answer your question. Okay. Uh, uh, so so you you present you ask a question, okay, what would I think of, of this character in this book if mm-hmm. I were if I were me? Well, you are you. Mm-hmm. And you have a set of values that have accrued over over time. I certainly believe that they are uh, inherent in human nature. Mm-hmm. Put there by God, um, but that's that's what we're discussing. But my point is, you came up through church, through religion, where those values were hopefully imprinted on you, and now you look at this character in this book, and you make judgments on what would I think about this character in this book? Okay, how can you separate yourself from those? taught values and those 
values that I certainly believe are inherent in being human um, and put there by God. How can you separate yourself from that? Man, I feel like we got to have a podcast just on this. <laughs> but um, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, a fast answer is, well, it, it, rather the first thing to address is that I probably didn't get a lot of them from the church. To tell you the truth, that's, I freaking zoned possible. out. Yeah, I, uh, I learned a lot uh, about God or whatever from my parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I mean, like, if you really wanted to push it, you could say that, uh, our society has been shaped by Judeo-Christian values, which yeah. have shaped mm-hmm. the media, which Certainly. is really probably where I learned a lot of my initial moral compass from. And so, uh, obviously there's movies that show bad examples of love, uh, but there's movies that show genuine examples. Mm-hmm. There's also movies that show genuine examples of like a good way to, to live your life. I'm not watching the entire, uh, discography, if you can call it that of James Bond and being like, cool, I got this. I'm only drinking martinis. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's the short answer is that I got this moral compass probably from being critical of the media and media as a whole, just like kind of watching that and then and then judging reactions from there. Also, kind of uh, the way I shaped parts of my personality uh, is almost introducing my personality to the open market that is the social realm of school. Um, or if not school, if you're homeschooled, some sort of social mm-hmm. event. That's why, like, not having large social get-togethers is really detrimental for homeschoolers, and they get all bizarro. And so, uh, yeah, so presenting personality to open market, figuring out what what's good, what's not good. One one um, piece of that that I think is is interesting, very fascinating, is um, you. You say, you know, judging your social interactions and, and making judgments based on that, what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. you know, in, in social settings. Well, I would counter that God's uh, design works whether you believe it or not. God's design for social interactions works. Mm-hmm. Whether when you put those principles into practice, mm-hmm. they work. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe them. Mm-hmm. That's irrelevant to a large degree. Not entirely, but <coughs> largely. And so I would say that, you know, by learning from the social interactions and mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't is, is not devoid of God and his influence. Yep. So I wanted to address first off the most glaring example of God in my life, which is the church. Um, now to address the more abstract, as you're putting it, um, I think that uh, just as Emmanuel Kant was developing, that uh, we got morality uh, evolutionarily. Uh, these are traits that afforded us an ability to have a more sustained, uh, structured group and uh, a better relationship with that group. And so all of that led to increased birth rates, uh, less infighting, uh, survival of the species. So with that kind of the, the counters is that when you have individuals with severe psychosis, they do not benefit the group. And so th- those come with a host of traits that you would, if you 
only looked at snapshots of their behavior, you would say were unethical. Um, also, another example is the, the whole thing, uh, Paleolithic period, where you have uh, Neanderthals and you have um, Homo erectus, whatever, right, right. Um, where you had early humans. Uh, they were able, because of social skills, able to uh, conquer and proceedly take territory from Neanderthal. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I don't think that uh, God plays a role. Mm-hmm. Also, to just uh, cut off some of the other loose ends with that, you could if, say that, oh, well, God God made that. That's part of God's plan, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a long string. And just to address this in bio means, if, if you guys have a counter that's totally not even related to this, but looking at religion through history, uh, it looks like even from early pagan societies, you have religion that basically is a blanket cover for anything that's unknown. The stream, the wind patterns, rocks, trees, they all have spirits. As we slowly learn about our natural world, those get pushed back. And all of a sudden, trees are... We can explain trees. We can explain weather patterns. Mm -hmm. And so that gets pushed back. And then you have, okay, there's there's a singular god that uh, made this solar system, but we're at the center of it. That change, that gets slowly pushed back, pushed back. And then, oh, maybe God set the Big Bang into motion, if you even believe in the Big Bang. And uh, I've met religious people that believe in evolution. I believe in evolution. But their thing is that there's been... God's hands perpetually in the mold of evolution leading us to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yes, there are things that I don't know. There are things that humans that's, don't know. That's 73. Uh, okay, so uh, come pulling back up to the, to the conversation you guys were having about um, the, the, the moral compass and how we learn from essentially our, our interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally think you're right. I think that, uh, or correct in that, um, and, and I don't, I, I, <laughs> I think it's the wrong first question. So when, where, where I see the, really the question of a higher authority, where that comes into play is, um, when, when you hit, you're going to hit of maturity and what's going to pull you out of, you know, where everybody else is, what's really going to propel you to, to continue on that track, to, to, to really, um, to become really mature, I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, to, you know, to, um, to maximize your competency as a, as a man, mm-hmm. and as a person, etc. And, and that's where it becomes, uh, that's where I think, the, that's where I found that the God question becomes very relevant, um, because, as you said, society, Western culture has been shaped by Judeo-Christian Christianity. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you try to make uh, a comparison, what you find is that they're, they're the same, right? You, you know, how many, how, many, how many church groups have you gone into? And they're, they're super unhealthy, right? So you're like, well, where, where's God in there? Mm-hmm. You know, he's in the pew. He's in the Bible in the pew. Okay, that's not right. So that's not helping me. And if anything, uh, it it it'll, it'll corrupt your moral compass, right? Because you'll learn you know, to be manipulative and to and to you know, hide and right. And then this, and then you, you see, yeah, you see the same thing in the in, in the other deal. So so what we see is is culture is culture, and yes, it very much looks the same. Um, and and even when you when you transpose that against you know you take a, a culture like Islam, you're going to find many of the behaviors are the same. 
probably a bit more extreme um, because it can be. Well, connect the dot to Judaism first from Islam. From Islam? So, and then uh, Judaism to Christianity, it's less extreme. Sure. So. Yeah, and so, yeah, and you know, so what, so what we see is that the is that the behaviors are very, you know, they're, they're very. Flu- I'm not fluid. They're very similar, mm-hmm. right? And that's and you know, we want to say that that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Sure, that works, uh, and that's going to take you to a certain level, uh, and that's to me the the whole deal of you do what you know, right? And so you do what you know is like you you learn you learn how to operate within a social circle, and this gets rewarded, that gets penalized. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you flip social circles, right? And and suddenly. You know, in one social circle, you know, being really nice is is uh, nice and accommodating, and, and those things is, is rewarded, and so da da da. Uh, and then you go to another social circle, and it's the other way around. Hmm. You know, like it's perceived as weakness or something. Sure. Yeah. You know, or or you know, you're gonna take advantage of it and, and that whole deal. And then, and our reality is, uh, for for a lot of people, is that you often visit one or the other at different times, and perhaps you just you regularly move between them. You know, so probably example for me would be uh, in the military, uh, you know, very, very, very driven, uh, very aggressive. Um, you know, being a jack isn't, isn't necessarily rewarded, but, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be worried if you're comfortable, right? At the same time, same guy, you know, drives home and walks into a living room full of friends and he's got to put on the happy face but he's not just putting on the face that's you know that that's so it's the ability to to navigate the two mm-hmm. so so now what now we might say well that guy's just more well-rounded you know sure mm-hmm. so he might he might become a more mature person uh, because of his interactions in social social circles but but, th- but that's available to everybody but there comes a point in there where again for me you know when i was talking about the whole deal with the relationships in which um it was you know what am I going to get from you? What are you going to get from me? And if that works for us, then we can move forward and we can do things. Um, okay. Um, okay. Then when I, you know, there, there's an opportunity to take advantage of somebody because there's something that I want from that, you know, um, and it, we may say it's good. It may say it's bad. You know, the, the free, the free, uh, soak in the hot tub. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, may, maybe I'm like, I'm going to look for more of those. And I want to take advantage of those all the time. You mm. know, how can I get, you know, and that, that becomes my nature. Well, how do I get out of that? Because that's very rewarding, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no motivation to get out of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, except, <laughs> except when you want to have a really deep relationship with somebody because that doesn't work in a very deep, in a deep relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, he, and here's the driver. That's what we all want. Like when we sit back and when we look at relationships, we all want to be in a knowing relationship. Mm-hmm. And what gets in the way of that is uh, our inability to, you know, be vulnerable and be safe, uh, which basically means, I, you know, I have to be concerned about you and I have to allow you to be concerned about me. Actually, I have to insist that you're concerned about me. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to insist that I'm concerned about you. Uh, then we have to hold each other accountable to that. Right, that has no place in the the other two deals that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, but what would motivate you to do that? You wouldn't even know that you're missing that, other than I'm missing something. What is that? That is where the higher piece comes into play, because there's sure you got all these all these other you know these religions. That's where religion comes into play, really, and and and, and a lot of them will inform you about that. Mm-hmm. But I think when you when you break them down to the purest form, you know to be biased I guess you're going to come back to you know God 
But I think that that is now that's where you're going to entertain that discussion about does does this higher authority matter? Um, and we're no longer talking about. Again, I don't think it's so much about a moral compass as much as it is about maturity. You know, and because I think maturity, as we as as I think we would all understand it, um, necessitates a particular moral compass. Like you can't become the mature the mature person that we all look at, or that we all probably envision, um, minus this compass. We can become very competent. I'm very good at what I do. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the same thing as maturity, because maturity brings apart the side that um, you know. I learned to talk to my son, not like my dad did. I learned. I learned. I recognized where where my dad and I didn't have the. You know, we had a good relationship. Uh, it could have been better here. I'm going to change that. I'm going to be a transitional generation. I'm going to change that with my son. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I'm going to learn to suspend. I'm tired and irritated, and I'm going to. And and you know, it's interesting because this is just what my son and I are going through right now. Is okay. I'm going to hear you. Right. Um, again, has no place in our normal, you know, think about all the people you know, mm. right? And, and the idea of hearing somebody else, that's that's not, that you know, you don't, you don't hear that in the media, pointing at your computer. But, mm. You know, you don't hear that in the media. That's just not something we talk about. Um, because there's a certain level that doing what you know gets you to. And it works. Mm. It works for most people. That's why when you look at the church, oftentimes, the Christian church, it oftentimes looks just like the not-Christian church. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't actually sought or gotten into you know God, as we would say. Um, so anyway, there's I think that's, that's part of that. Um, so to clarify, mm-hmm. are you saying that just on your own you reach uh, uh, upper bound for growth? And that what pushes you beyond that boundary is to get closer to God yes and no I, I think what happens is is so you <clears throat> our 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 social environment mm-hmm. helps form what we believe mm. right and, and it very much looks very similar right um, excuse me based on there we might exclude certain, certain beliefs that other groups might have um, they're probably they're not super deal breakers. You know, when you talk about like the political left or the right or the you know whatever, um, but a lot of it looks very similar. Um, if you if if you if you decide if you recognize that you know I want I want more, and I think what that comes from is you see somebody, right, and you go that. Like I recognize that I want that. That's he's, they're mature, they're competent, they've got this thing. How do how do we become that? Uh, and once you start paying attention to that, you will start to see other people that are thinking similarly, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, you start to self-select. But usually that is a product of um, you know some relationship. I would say with, I would say with God, right? I would say that the reason why. Um, the reason why I've, I've gotten to where I am mm-hmm. is man this is a little weird because I can't separate the two now is, is because of my relationship with God mm-hmm. I, and, and I can't I can't separate I cannot you know I can't at this point I can't separate them mm-hmm. um, but the function of that like like how does that happen it's not like I just start reading scripture and I and mm-hmm. 
I wake up tomorrow and I'm more mature, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, you have to you have to metabolize the ideas, you have to whatever. But where, where it gets played out is right here, mm-hmm. and and this becomes this becomes not just self-selecting, but it starts to refine. You know, there's a reason why there's not 15 people in this room other than they wouldn't fit, but there's only so many people that you can have this conversation with. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's only so many people that here you are, a, a non-religious person, mm-hmm. and here we are, religious people. And, and I would say that my, what my religion looks like now is very different than what it looked like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, and it's different from yeah, Scott's. Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, yeah. I meant very different from five years ago. Yeah. For me, too. And so, and, 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 but here we are. We're able to suspend our biases, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and in, like, I can entertain what you're talking about. You're trying to entertain what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And do so fully. Mm-hmm. Right? Man, the number of people that that are willing or have the capacity to do that, I, I don't necessarily care, can't or won't. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it looks the same. It doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. point is that that, that self selects, and and then what will happen is is it's kind of like you know you and your girlfriend. There's a reason why you picked your girlfriend. There's a reason mm-hmm. why your girlfriend picked you, and there's a reason why you pick her tomorrow, and she's going to pick you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the same thing with these relationships. And what happens is you start to grow, you know, because of again your influence. Right? You're now you very much. Um, uh, not isolated, uh, selected, uh, qualified your your circle, mm-hmm. right? And so so here you are in this circle, mm-hmm. and you know at least two of us are informed via scripture, mm-hmm. right? So whatever ideas you think are great that you take out of here, um, well they've been informed by scripture, mm-hmm. right? And I would say the same thing. I'd say, well he's going to take an idea, and or you know he's got this thing I thought was really interesting. Um, what's interesting to me is that uh, a lot of what you said, um, you know, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's biblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, and that's what Scott's saying. It's not devoid thereof. You may not be aware, mm-hmm. but to me it's, it's biblical. And that's where, that's where we would come and say, see, that's designed. That's the designed and deal. Whether you knew it was designed or not, it doesn't matter. The point is that we, we would recognize that it is. You know, mm-hmm. That's not fair to you necessarily. But, you know, that's just that's what we're looking at. And what's um, interesting is that goes back to the first question <clears throat> that we talked about mm-hmm. was, thinking and mm-hmm. not being so married to the ideas yeah. mm-hmm. that you can't entertain the other side. So I'll speed run through my religious journey uh, because I know it's getting late. But um, so when I first uh, fell from the church, uh, uh, let's actually increase how dramatic it sounds. My fall from grace mm. was... Um, uh, it started from kind of what you were saying, uh, noticing hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, wow, uh, you people profess that you are uh, people sure. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this is how you act. I don't want to I don't want to play ball. And so, uh, before, yeah, <laughs> and I uh, I definitely got uh, I I was way more negative about it. Mm-hmm. I uh, was very annoyed by religious people because mm-hmm. I uh, thought that they were like cultists. Mm-hmm. And then um, that, I kind of like set that aside. And whenever I would meet someone that was religious, I'd be like, oh, it's a cultist. But on my own, I realized that I started developing um, uh, mental gymnastics, coping mechanisms, whatever, to alleviate stress, alleviate guilt, uh, and to drive willpower. And I was like, these are like... The it's very religious, uh, like it almost sounds like scripture, right. uh, except with some of the words switched out. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm 
the way I'm able to work with uh, religious people and kind of like how you're probably able to work with me is you're like, oh, he doesn't know. Same kind of viewpoint. Is doesn't that, know what? Uh, he like hasn't found the Lord or something like that, but th- he can still find the Lord. Uh, th- that's probably how you come to terms with like, yeah, I, I can work and have a conversation with someone that's uh, agnostic, uh, something like that. I don't. I don't feel that way at all. I don't really. I mean, I'm not saying I don't care, but I don't care. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, uh, meaning that. Meaning that. What? <laughs> continue on. Let's come back to that. Go rather, ahead. possibly that may be why where you find the lack of intensity towards um, uh, the nonchalantness of infidels, if you may, uh, is that <clears throat> they they just don't know something like that. Um, and on my side, uh, it's that. E- uh, religious people have coping mechanisms, but have the the point of reference is outside of them. It's above them. They mm-hmm. believe in something higher than themselves, mm-hmm. and that is incredibly powerful. And so mm-hmm. the only difference is that I believe in me, but the concepts transcend me mm-hmm. in a way that I'm able to drive more willpower from it. Almost like I think they're called lungfish. Uh, they're like mm-hmm. these fish mm-hmm. at the bottom of the ocean that tear apart whale carcasses. Mm-hmm. They tie themselves into a knot to get more uh, uh, torque to rip off chunks of the dead whale carcass. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm doing, like mm-hmm. to drive meaning out of the world. Using myself, mm-hmm. I'm able to drive more willpower, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of mental gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people. Uh, and I've had people say like, wow, you don't believe in God? And I'm like, no. And they're like, I've never seen someone so bright that doesn't like, has a bright glowing personality right. that doesn't believe in God. Good gracious. Because right. uh, nihilism is right. usually like a philosophy that right. has no God. Right. And there's several things in that. One thing that I think that is, is kind of interesting that um, you're... Most people never really. There's there's a a guy that uh, taught a class, and one of the things he said is, "Do you really believe that what you believe is really real?" And that is very very profound. Very few people in life really realize the foundations of their beliefs and the implications of their beliefs. Even fewer realize the implications Mm -hmm. of their beliefs. Um, We can get into this later, but I think that in some ways you're not fully uh, embracing the implications of of your uh, proposed beliefs. Well, I think the, no. that atheism um, re- almost requires a nihilism. Uh, I'm agnostic, so I don't know. Yeah, but I like. I it, don't discount. I just don't know. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, if God showed up and was like, "Yo, it's me, uh, Ola," I'd be like, "Oh, that's cool. I believe in God," uh, but I don't believe. So you don't disbelieve. You just don't. You don't have a reason. You haven't seen a reason to believe. Right. Okay. okay. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, that's, and I'm going to, uh, this isn't going to sound insulting. It's not. That's, I, I, that's, that's safe. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good, that's such a good safe place to be. And, and, and it's interesting because 
Like I do that. Yeah. Not not that way, but I have my safe places. Scott has his safe places, and it's and it's uh, it's interesting because when I see someone and I'll go, oh, that's that's a safe place. Oh, you know, how people get pissed off at that, <laughs> like because you know I'm like oh, like I've just said they don't have courage or something. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, we all have safe places. Like like uh, the other, the other day, I I um, I didn't um, uh, wait for some clients to pay me, mm. and um, I I didn't go pester them. And then my wife asked a question, and so I went and found a safe place to go hang out, right? Like, as we talked. Mm-hmm. That way I didn't have to go address, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to lie to my wife, but I also didn't want to sit there, like, why didn't I go? Like, they owe me money. Why didn't I go talk to them, mm-hmm. right? So I found a safe place that we could hang out uh, and kind of and, and talk and then not rock any boats, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to do anything. It's a safe place, mm-hmm. right? It's, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's 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 just a it's it's a thing that we that we go and if we recognize them, I don't think they're bad. I think it's an is is what I call it. It's an is. It's a reality, right? It's, it's a, that we have it. So. Well, I believe everything from a scale of point zero 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 one to ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the nature of what it is to be human, we're mm-hmm. filters on top of filters. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we can know the truth. Oh, and, so, and that would be the separation. I think we can. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that, that's interesting. My, and mine's flip. So I wasn't raised in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came to the church in my 30s. And um, and uh, fully aware that Christians suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, didn't realize what I believed until after I recognized that I believed it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, I think real quick, as I was studying scripture, uh, I started to see it through this lens of relationship, and then it made sense, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and through that, um, I, I want to say, and I, I don't know, I want to say it helped me mature as a Christian. Like I, I understood, like I got it, or I, I understood scripture. And um, I understood the lessons that I was being taught, and I didn't project those onto you know, like other people, because how am I going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Narnia. I'm not here to talk about their story. I'm here to talk to you about your story. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Narnia? Or you think I have the lion that was in the wardrobe, the lion, mm-hmm. and she keeps asking about her brother, mm-hmm. and Aslan, Jesus says, "I'm not here to talk about his story. I'm here to talk about your story." Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what Christ is. Con- the Bible is talking to you about you, mm-hmm. not you about. Right. That's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that made it safe, right, to interact mm-hmm. and not project, you know, um, my, you know, because just because just because Scott wasn't acting like a good Christian today, didn't that didn't blow up Christianity for me, today, you know, at mm-hmm. all. Just because I screwed it up, didn't mean I wasn't because that's not the deal. That that be no that makes no more sense than than my wife burnt the cookies and now we can't be in love anymore, in love, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. right? You should follow. Mm-hmm. Um, because because it's not about cookies. It's not about Scott being a poor Christian. Yeah. Uh, to me, really, to me, it's about whether or not, um, like when I read through Proverbs, mm-hmm. do I go through that and go, oh yeah, that's that's right, that's correct, right? And once I, you know, once I start adding up, go, okay, well, that's more correct than not, not mm-hmm. you know zero zero to nine 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 nine. And then uh, anyway, so that that was kind of my deal. But really, it was it was a lens of relationship rather than uh, I don't know I don't know whether the lens yeah. that people yeah. look at it through. But that's mine, yeah. um, and it works. One thing that I think is interesting is in that is uh, you know I've heard the hypocrisy of it, mm-hmm. and I've seen it, and I've lived through it, and I've 
lived it. And, you know, I've been both the recipient and the instigator of that at different times. But what, what's really interesting and what just kind of came to me in this is uh, Christianity is all about relationships with each other mm-hmm. and at the same time it has nothing to do with relationships with each other. Sure. It is about you and God and that relationship and everything else stems from that and feeds from that and we have a lot of instruction about that and there's all kinds of usefulness in that and so many things and yet that's that's ancillary secondary yeah. that's completely ancillary to the primary relationship between Christ and ourselves and uh, so it's interesting in thinking of the the hypocrisy and, and how that how destructive that is and hmm. and how many uh, Christians have or how many people have turned away from Christianity because of that and yet that's the wrong question. I agree. I think that, uh, and I understand what you're saying, like everyone's a point connected to a central point and you have a strong relationship with the point next to you through the central point. It's not directly from you to them, it's through God first. Well, it is It is direct between each other, but it's... Again, what... what, what so secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not irrelevant because... Um, damn! How do you do that? It, it, yeah. Essentially, I have these. Uh, I have these other relationships. I have these horizontal relationships. Mm. These because of this relationship. Now mm. I would have these relationships anyway, mm. right? But my my the way I would uh, engage in these relationships mm. would look different. Mm. And um, f- f- the the decision, right? Man, we keep going on the decision, right? Because Christ, because yeah. you know, the, the, with, with with God, he, Jesus tells us. He didn't tell us that if you want to go love. Go, go do, you know, do, no, no, he says, no, love your neighbor as you would love yourself, mm-hmm. right? Command. Uh, and, that, and then I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. then, then I have to go do that. And, and so that works. Now, if I don't do that, um, you know, if, if I was my dad and lived off in the cabin, I wouldn't be any less a Christian. Mm-hmm. I would just be an isolated Christian. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's the people in, in solitary confinement right now, mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, 23 hours a day, that are Christians. Mm-hmm their relationship isn't more or less because they do or don't have people around them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's this now this draw. And that's what happens. This drives that. And it, just, and it looks different. And I would say that, especially in the church, right. It look, you know, when, when you're dealing with Christians, mm-hmm. uh, it looks different. You know, your, your relationship with, with Christ um, informs what your relationship with other people. You know, I, I think about Eric, the way he's, you know he's he's a pastor, yeah, but just his ability to kind of to have firm boundaries, but be very accepting of people. You know, and I know for myself when um, when I'm feeling less like a good Christian, I can get pretty crappy with <laughs> with the horizontals. And then the more that I'm with horizontal healthy, 
right horizontal relationships the more i'm i i feel which of course that's biblical so it's that circular logic which exists you know it's not a negative thing it, it's a thing mm-hmm. um but anyway I, that's too much man we can get so yeah. lost in that tangent really quick and i'm not sure that's where you want to go yeah but, but my, my point is mm-hmm. is how um it, it's the wrong question you know mm-hmm. um the hypocrisy christians that human nature right all of these different factors come into this mm-hmm. and you know anybody that proclaims the church is some pure manifestation of god is lying mm-hmm. to themselves or to you right or to both or to both yeah yeah um you know it is what god has set up to i've heard it described as a hospital mm-hmm. for sick people Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now, those sick people aren't going to be running marathons. They aren't going to be, you know, top mm-hmm. of their game, you know, kind of thing. It's for the sick, the hospital that need to learn, to need to learn, to recover, to be healed. They're being perfected, as Scripture says. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Well, and, and that goes to that point earlier. I was saying that with, you know, um, you know, especially even in the church, right? So uh, if you think of it as a social circle, that, that has a particular claim, right? Mm-hmm. They claim to be mm-hmm. uh, Christians or religious or, you know, whatever you want to attest to that. Um, it, it's interesting getting in, in a group of, um, you know, the, the ah, less mature Christians, right? And then you get into, then you're associated with a group that are more mature and more mature and more mature. And, uh, and it's the same as, you know, outside. We're talking about those social circles where, you know, th- they look like this. And then, you, you know, then you have a certain element of maturity that you recognize, you know, and it's and, and certain things are OK, but certain things aren't OK. Right. In, in, in mm. a more mature circle, social circle. And, and it starts to work up and it's very similar. And, and again, and so for the church side, I'm going to say again that that, that relationship that we have, our, our actual relationship with Christ, that's where we start to say, um, because of the maturity that I have in Christ, right? The maturity that, that I've allowed Christ to develop in me, then what a fellow Christian does doesn't impact my faith, right? Because I'm not I'm not I'm not a Christian because of Scott, and Scott doesn't define my doesn't define my Christianity. Mm-hmm. I define my Christianity, or I, Jesus, you know that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so that allows me, but at the same time, that then also allows me, but that 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 looks different, right? I would call I'm more likely to call Scott into accountability, mm-hmm. which I might not do with. I might do it because you know I might be a little bit more mature, but somebody else might not. You know they might do that, and they do and and they do dumb things, right? They, that's where they're, they're going to find legalism, and that's where you're going to find abuse, and that's where you're going to find you know whatever. Uh, I remember my mother-in-law, Christian, um, and she was mad at some family members, and 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 it was a whole you know. Um, something about she wouldn't pray for them and da 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 and then there's you know well, why not and they're like well, you know they, they don't deserve it and I was like wow mm-hmm. like imagine all the people that are looking at you you know and, and that's the that oh there you are pious right there you are you're mm-hmm. you claim one thing and you do another right now that doesn't affect me I'm a man Linda and what I'm thinking is Linda's hurt right mm-hmm. sorry my mother-in-law's hurt <laughs> so you know or you know whomever right and so yeah you can you know but what level of maturity do you have to be at before you recognize, oh, you're talking out, you, you, you've been hurt? Same thing in our social circles where, again, that maturity aspect, you know, we, we're talking about that. And, um, but again, I, I think at the end of the day, I think you're going to find that most of those are driven by the same, same deal. And 
could could someone be attaining this higher level of maturity uh, because they believe in Allah? I would say probably because I think you're going to find a lot of rhetoric overlap. Mm-hmm. Well, I think similar roots. Right. Thank you. So and Allah is God. Yeah. Like it means God. Well, yeah. And in, and some of the teachings sound somewhat familiar. Mm-hmm. It's the details that kind of blow yeah. the, the whole thing apart. But there's still a level that you get to, you know. So for a hot button one would be uh, generally a, a mature Christian is never going to say uh, strapping a bomb to you and walking into a daycare is ever okay. Mm-hmm. Where a mature you know, in all other areas, they might be mature, but they might say, oh, yeah, that, yes, terrorism is fine, you know, which it's not. Possibly. Uh, mm-hmm. So jihad is generally like a spiritual war internally. Mm-hmm. So it's with yourself. So mm-hmm. an inter- interpretation of mm-hmm. that leads to sure. uh, well, terrorism. But sure. there are many, many, uh, quote, mature leaders in the Islamic world that... Uh, support that position. Yeah, I would say that uh, it seems more stifling to science, for instance. Yeah. Uh, a lot of different to women's rights, for instance. Mm-hmm. There's there are uh, right. Well, because uh, yeah, because they don't like the, the the. I mean, it is the ultimate example of a conservative worldview. Yeah, there's a suite of uh, yeah. of values that they have that is very limiting to growth. Sure. Um, so to address a few things uh, real fast in quick succession is. Uh, uh, acknowledging the uh, uh, hypocrisy in the church started my more critical examination. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, I'm out of here. I, I am mature uh, enough to understand that individuals are individuals and that even if someone has an amazing parent, uh, they may misconstrue the teachings. Um, also, speaking of maturity... Um, That's a catchword now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to address that because uh, Europe is one of the uh, most uh, secular places mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by that logic, you would almost say Europe is a less mature society. I think they are. Yeah, and that's fascinating. Um, I would not agree. I think that uh, maturity... So you think is a sign of maturity? Well, I think maturity stems from... An, uh, the amount of uh, torque that uh, a person is afforded if they believe in something higher than themselves. There's a... Con- or there's let, me, a let me go back. Yeah. Ooh, are you aware of Rotherham? No. Okay. That is a uh, situation in England <coughs> where um, a number of Muslims in the community were systematically... Uh, raping and trafficking um, young girls. The police were notified and aware of this, but yet their official position didn't want to seem anti-Muslim. And so they kept it quiet for, what, four years, five years, until it finally blew up to the point where they couldn't hide it anymore. Okay, is that a sign of maturity? Uh, no, but forcing equality of outcome in the U.S. is also not a sign of maturity. Right. I agree. Uh, political correctness, which has taken uh, basic ways that humans interact, uh, it's it's 
it feels very stifling. It's something that we haven't quite been able to catch up with. We've never had such scrutiny that could be shared with every other individual, which I'm not saying is bad, but it's causing us to overcorrect with right. how we act. Yeah, and so, yeah, there's uh, not the same instance, but there's other instances uh, in the U.S. that uh, sure. Like, how about how about how about systemic. Uh, about systemic racism mm-hmm. that's you know been an issue since now but it's certainly up through the 70s mm-hmm. um, yeah so I mean oh yeah no not, I, you, you know, so I think we have a trail of examples yeah. I, I, but I'm sorry and um, also it, but my, UK. my point with that yeah. was that uh, you know I think that's a very regressive type thing and mm-hmm. that, there are examples of that I, but mm-hmm. I I think to to you defend a a a continent mm-hmm. um, for their maturity is I think that's a moot argument. I think that there's yeah, I don't know. I I'm concur, exactly Doctor. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that the Europe has it all figured out, and especially not England and the UK, uh, with everything that's going on with Brexit. By all means, no. Um, but the same situation, I, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I say that uh, that in the right. U.S. Uh, we are more mature than Europe. You so would or wouldn't? I would not. Okay. I, I wouldn't say one's better than another. I would say that there's individuals that have figured out how to tap into something higher than themselves. And religion oftentimes is kind of... Uh, well, religion can repress a maturity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but see, but and there's, and there's okay, and, and this, you know, here's the trump card, right? Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not talking about religion. Oh, I'm talking about what? A relationship, relationship. right? So, oh, mm-hmm. there's the platitude. Mm-hmm. But but it, but it's it's not. And, and I, I think that's one of the, the uh, unfortunately, I think we've done such a good job at corrupting a great thing, mm-hmm. right, that, um, that we, we do intrinsically link at the hip religion and my faith, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, now I don't, right, I, I mean, because it's mine, um, but... Um, I, but I recognize that I'm a religious person, mm-hmm. right? So the religious to me, the way I define it is, is something that I practice regularly with intent. Mm-hmm. Right? I religiously brush my teeth, right? Uh, and so the, the, the religious practice of my faith is, is my religiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, is it good? No, a lot of times it's really dirty. Like I, I, I make the joke that I'm, I'm a bad Christian. I, I really dislike it. I'm a contractor and someone goes, oh, you're a, good, you're a Christian, aren't you? Oh gosh, I hate that. Right, because it's like, oh man, you're gonna like hold me to this, to this, to whatever it is that this concept that you have that's not mine, and I'm gonna blow this, right? I'm I'm gonna screw something up, and then all of a sudden, what? I'm a bad Christian, you know? And then, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes sideways so quick, right? And so, anyway, so I, I think that's the, um, I, I think that's the difference, and it's much bigger to unpack, and that's the whole thing that my my faith isn't defined by Scott, mm-hmm. and it. I get that it's easier said than done because then why don't I call out Scott when he's being a jerk, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for like the world to see, you know, you know what I mean? So, so the person that's looking in going, okay, well, yeah, I want to be, I want to be like, if, if, if I had to be religious, I would be like, I'd like to be like him, mm-hmm. right? Why don't we do that example? Well, because I'm human, right? So there's another yeah. safe place. Get out free card. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. So the, the Europe thing, mm-hmm. you disagree. 
I don't want to get you off your tangent or off the stuff you were talking about. Oh, that was just one thing I wanted to address because you were, it seemed like you were saying that religion is the key to a heightened level of maturity that you can't reach without. It it, it is because, um, and and, and humanity has not experienced it without it, Mm -hmm. right? So religion isn't necessarily Christian, Mm -hmm. it's religion. Right, and so the evolutionary model would say that we form religion, we form people groups, and out of people groups sprang religion. Mm-hmm. Right, and and then the religion is is often used to to recruit more people to our group. Mm-hmm. Right, and sometimes you don't realize you're into the religion until you're into the people group. Right, so it's it's very holistic and organic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, at the end of the day, you grow up in religion. Mm-hmm. Now, religion, like we we know that religion um, will force you at in some areas to think critically right you can't be a mature person without thinking critically mm-hmm. right and it'll repress you in other areas right don't question the man behind the curtain mm-hmm. right so you have a stop point you can't you can't think about that mm-hmm. but then you have uh, uh, you know you, you can go in this other direction and think very critically and be very well versed and mature in that area mm-hmm. but as a whole you know how are you um, and, and so there it gets layered and complicated but but our, uh, the humanity's experience is that you are not going to attain the level that we have minus religion. Now, religion can be Islam or Christianity or these pagan religions, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. At the same time, at the, at the root of them all is something greater than myself. And because of that, you know, there's teachings and, uh, you know, even even the even the, the the oral traditions that are passed on the stories. Of, uh, uh, Inuit. I was listening to this thing about Inuits and they're talking about the, the stories and they didn't have a language. They didn't have a word for uh, angry, I think it was. But anyway, I was listening to this mother tell the kid this story. And what it was they're talking about, they were playing on the pack ice. And it was this deal to keep the kids from being stupid on the pack ice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because they fall over, you're done. Mm-hmm. Right, and and so the story was like th- this little kid got close to the pack ice and da, 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 and a monster from the deep came and grabbed him and drug him to the bottom of the ocean. What a freaking horrible story to tell your two year old, mm-hmm. right? And I was fascinated by it. But the point is, is that the, you know their religions or whatever you know had them, and what they're teaching was is, is to be safe. Mm-hmm. And um, and in their environment, you know, anger can get you flustered. And good gracious, a place you don't want to get flustered is when it's you know negative sixty seven below all the time. Mm-hmm. You dive now. Right, so you can't afford to be angry there. Right, but you know their 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 culture, their people groups, their religion mm-hmm. teaches that. Um, but anyway, so w- without that, you don't you don't attain. You know, you were talking about the you know people that get isolated get weirdo. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it's the same deal. Um, and we we humanity does not have the experience of being minus religion. I so. There have been or religious like, influence. There have been like records of like first examples of uh, something that resembles some degree of organized religion, and then there have been human records before mm-hmm. then, uh, mm-hmm. use of tools without any kind of signs of an early organized religion. So just because I mean, yeah, but no. Well, so I just yeah. wanted to address that. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do agree that mm. most likely we would not have gotten here yeah. uh, without religion. Sure. I, I kind of want to do a skit, uh, kind of like a Monty Python skit, mm. of a bunch of dudes, like existentialists, don't believe in anything, mm. uh, any kind of God at least. And they're like, how do we get these guys to stop like clubbing everyone? Right. I just want to get these guys to stop right. clubbing everyone. And they're like, wait, I got it. And he starts to right. explain religion. religion. Sure. And that, yeah. that's, a, that's a good... And, and, and I would... I would I would argue that oh it's great. 
I was uh, in a debate with somebody <laughs> about a Christian religious leader mm-hmm. that um, preaches the prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. right? And so they were talking about it, and right away I said, uh, uh, that's not Christianity. Uh, the person's a heretic, and I would call them a, a witch. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like insta-combustion on the heads. They, they were all on fire. Right, I was being judgmental. Like, no, I'm just, I'm telling you that that's not this. That's, mm. I'm, I'm making a judgment. I'm not saying that this person's not worth anything, and I'm, I'm just telling you that they're, they're not what you, what you claim them to be. They're not what they claim to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a heretic. By definition, they are a heretic. Mm. Well, they say Jesus. But why, if you're a heretic, why wouldn't you say Jesus? <laughs> right. So, real quick, and of course, my deal is don't, 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 don't do that. Like, be smart because I'm not that guy. Don't give me stupid arguments because I'm gonna beat them with you, mm. and I'll enjoy it. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you I'm enjoying it while I'm doing, you know. So don't do that. Make smart arguments so we can get someplace. And and this one's this was slam dunk. Um, so anyway, th- this uh, this idea that we that we so we know that people use religion mm-hmm. intentionally uh, to coerce people mm-hmm. for for good or bad, right? I need them to do something that is good, not clubbing each other. Mm-hmm. I want them to do something. I want to take advantage of them, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. So I asked my friend. Uh, excuse the terminology, but uh, for the sake of succinctness, it helps. But uh, would you rather have a philosophy that produces uh, that's based on truth and it produces hollow a holes, or uh, a philosophy that's built on lies that produces warm, caring individuals. And so, also real fast to clarify, I do believe in Jesus. Uh, I think he was the best philosopher of love and forgiveness ever. Uh, So, I think religion has, uh, Christianity has a great suite uh, that I would call its its philosophy uh, that is super beneficial. Same with like Zen Buddhism. uh, A suite of uh, philosophy that's beneficial. Um, So, I don't, when it, when Christianity or other religions starts to uh, enact on the natural world, that's where I run into issues or mm-hmm. also downsides if you don't believe in the religion. So actually, this is one thing I've been kind of curious and by all means, like, don't, don't take it wrong. I'm genuinely curious, like, because this is, this may be, who knows, maybe I'm just not uh, seeing the whole picture and that's probably why I'm not religious. But, um, of course. I have this. Uh, <laughs> the way I see religion is that an alien came down and incredible powers made everything uh, that we see, at least. And they might be part of a larger realm that we just can't see. Mm-hmm. And so alien came down, made everything. And it's weirdly uh, not... Uh, confident in itself and so it makes all these beings uh, and uh, gives them a like the very edge of something that resembles free will uh, because they're like I could make a machine that says I love you I I believe in you and I worship you but then it's lost and so instead it made these like electrified meat sacks that says hey all right here's the sitch Uh, you gotta worship me you gotta gotta think I'm great uh, and if you do, uh, when you die, uh, there's this thing, it's like a multi-dimensional thing, you can call it a soul, and I pull it up, put it into this simulation, and you uh, it, you just like, whatever you want, whatever's great, you, you, you come up here, you, everything's chill, don't even worry about it, don't even trip, dog. However, uh, if you have little electrified meat sex, uh, don't think I'm the best, uh, then I'm going to pull your soul out, uh, put it into this machine, 
and this machine just runs torture simulations. You're gonna have a bad time. So, um, yeah, uh, here are these, uh, these are the rules. Uh, go for it. That's how I see religion. Sure. So, so the, the so the question I would have is 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 do you think that I believe because I want to go to the simulation and I'm afraid to go into the other thing? Yeah. Do you really? Well, so I think that at this point it's taken on something, and you've mentioned that like it, it's the same, it's synonymous. Like you have this religion, you have your way of life, you can't differentiate it. And so I would almost no, say I have that my faith. My religion is pretty... It changes a lot. Okay, so your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that it's almost uh, like a self-continuous reaction at this point where you have, through your experience with religion, uh, you've gathered a suite of values uh, that is directing your life where uh, it's just beneficial at this point. Like, you, you understand the value, the inherent value mm-hmm. in living your life mm-hmm. in this manner. Mm-hmm. Um oh. Uh, my, hang on, hang on. My my son, Logan, asked one time. He said, "If you found out that God wasn't real and that this whole thing was a facade, it was proven. You know, it was obvious to you. Mm-hmm. Would you continue to, to live the same way?" And I said, "In large part, yes. In very much large part, yes, mm-hmm. because it is a successful." It is the successful way to live life. Mm. Um, so uh, that but informs it, that s- to some degree. Uh, uh, I think politicians would be safe. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm, per yeah. capita, uh, Norway has the healthiest, happiest, and richest uh, group of individuals. So at that point, it would totally throw the idea of what's the best, what's the in relationship to what, what's the best I, way to I live life. I completely disagree with that. I think that if you would, even if they are non-religious or mm-hmm. you know, non-Christian, I think that you would find that their behaviors are very much in line with, uh, with Christianity, with the, the you know, fundamental morality of Christianity. Yeah, but there's something present. Uh, that is differentiating their GDP and uh, uh, amenities per well, capita. Sure. And, what, and, what that, and what that is, and th- uh, going back to your, your deal about uh, your, the, the mm-hmm. maturity question, mm-hmm. the reason why I disagree is um, because we are the only country in the, in the world, the only mm-hmm. nation in the world, that aspires to liberty. Mm-hmm. Right? No other country does so. And the concept of liberty uh, is. But we're catching up with that. Well, I was going to say because I think we're getting. I think we're actually getting less. Right, 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 right. But uh, the Philippines, their constitution was drafted off of ours. They, yeah, but they don't have. But they don't. The Philippines does not. Eduardo is over there killing people that he doesn't like. I'm saying that they aspire for liberty. It's yeah, written into. They don't because then they wouldn't have Eduardo. Mm-hmm. Follow. I mean, you can say things. Yeah. Right, but what you do are, are totally different. Well, well the way we're uh, letting this become an oligarchy. Uh, well, see, and that's a problem. And that's, ask Scott if if this guy has a problem with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and 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 I and I think that's very valid. And so the the thing is here is that, um, like you know, we talk about all the strife that's going on. Mm-hmm. Hate it, but love it, mm-hmm. um, because what we're finding is. Um, 
or what it allows us, it, it allows us to exercise the reality that that's not okay. Like, I understand what liberty is, and uh, I am not going to let someone take it from me. Not going to do it. I don't care how good my economy is, mm-hmm. right? I don't care. I don't care. I would rather be a, a poor free man than a rich slave. And I would. Uh, hard, difficult, mm-hmm. you know? Now, how many people that committed? Maybe not, not maybe five. I, d- I don't know. Um, but clearly more than in the rest of the world because they're not having these things. That's why I think Brexit is a sign. Uh, Brexit, you know, all negotiations and, yeah, we're talking about economy. doesn't matter. But what we're really talking about is sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to dictate. Yeah, too right? many regulations. Sure. And, I, I want, and if I yeah. want my own regulations, mm-hmm. then we're going to decide regulations. I'm not going to let somebody over there decide the regulations for us. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's that's why I think the Brexit inter- thing is really interesting because it's like it's a it's a polite version of our revolution. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, Be- because, they're, because they're Europeans. That they're, yeah, they are right, polite. Yeah. You know? But um, at what point you're allowing well, people in D.C. determine your regulations? You're right. And, and, and yes, and, and I, don't, I don't disagree with that uh, because that that's the way it is you know obviously i'm i'm at this i'm at this state where, where we are mm-hmm. thanks to you know 300 years of other people in front of us mm-hmm. uh and here we are and now you know you know someone's had a party and screwed up the room we got to clean it up mm-hmm. and, and we're not gonna because there's there's people in the room that continue to screw it up um however uh when when i when, you, when i engage with like when, when i've i've been i've been in south central america this concept of liberty, this concept of self-entrepreneurship is, is largely lost on them. Um, very resourceful, extremely resourceful. Mm-hmm. But the idea to, be, to self-direct your governance, mm-hmm. no. I- I'm upset because you said you were going to do this for me. You're not doing it. I think you're corrupt. You keep saying the right things. And all he's doing is saying, I'm going to give you stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then now you take care of that, right? Yeah, now and and that that's the exchange in America, right? We're like, you know, I don't like that. I'm gonna take the pendulum and I'm gonna smash it. That's what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? And then it's smash it this way. You know, we got to get it figured out. Not in the middle. We got to find equilibrium. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to liberty. Also, but, but then people don't. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me the number of people that that don't get here. Yeah, understand uh, liberty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which again is is a very the idea that uh, you control your mind, mm-hmm. right? Your mind is yours, and you get to use your body to execute your will mm-hmm. until the point that it oppresses somebody else, right? That's liberty. Uh, war on drugs. And I have to, yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Now, you know how hard that is for me. But if, but I have to be okay with that. Now, most of us aren't. Right, and most of us want. Yeah, I think I think this administration is a, is a great example because you have so many people now that have been you know talking about you know liberty, 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 and then and a lot of it was promised, mm-hmm. and then when it's gone the other way, like now I'm the you know how many times I've been called a left you know antifa left wing guy. I'm like me, I am so not that. That, you know, where, where are you on the spectrum? I'm so right, I've come back around the world. Compared to me, you're a leftist. That's how that's how wrong you are about me. Now, I, I, I refute both of those arguments. I'm liberty-minded, right? So, which again, it's, it's, it's an incorrect first question, right? But the, the point is, is that 
it's it's been an interesting you know academic study to see just how like shit you don't sorry, you don't know what you're talking about like you don't freedom is not liberty mm-hmm. to me freedom is here's three choices you're free to choose mm-hmm. not choosing is not a choice by the way mm-hmm. that's freedom I give you the freedom to choose three things liberty is to say no no you have to choose no mm-hmm. that's liberty right where else in the world do you have that I mean, you really don't have it here in America anymore. There are some areas, right? Um, but anyway, so that... that To address the South America thing, mm-hmm. um, probably out of decades of choosing a leader uh, that had left-leaning tendencies and due to Operation Condor, which is a CIA-backed operation to destabilize any kind of left-leaning government uh, and oust them, uh, you probably ran into uh, started to formulate a culture that didn't believe in the sovereignty of them, them themselves to choose a leader. Sure, they were broken people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, due so, to so, us, like so, our n- not even us. Liberty. I mean, look, not even us. I mean, the people that came across, you know, the Spaniards mm-hmm. when they came across and conquered them. They they've been they were conquered people. Same thing with Native Americans. They run into the same thing. Same thing with. Uh, you know, not to hit too, too. You know, when we talk about the issues of slavery, mm-hmm. you know, the, the real, the real, the, the real trouble with slavery and what we're actually seeing now mm-hmm. is that there were people that were broken, mm-hmm. right? And, and we don't know how to help people rebuild. That, that's that's been a big issue with that. Uh, but but oh, good. Chile was growing, like their economy was. It's not a matter of growing. It's a matter of I control my mind. I yeah. get to do what I want as long as I don't oppress you. That's different than growing, and that's and that's the <laughs> to get religious. That's the Satan's trick, mm-hmm. right? Is that is that we confuse, and that's what we're doing now right mm-hmm. so all like now when i talk about you know when i catch somebody you know republicans someone's right leaning and it's trump this trump that you know blah, blah, blah. and and i go well you know what about the issue with guns you know and they're like well yeah but the economy mm-hmm. okay so how much does it cost you like how, how much how much how much would you cost me like if i wanted to own you how much would it cost mm-hmm. you know it, it, right now it's just cost an economy that's not yours it's it's somebody else's economy because you're not getting rich so it's clearly somebody else's. It's this idea of economy. So economy is this is this thing that we're given. You know, their economy, the you know Norway and da, 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 they got this uh-huh. great economy. They're healthy. That's not liberty, mm-hmm. right? And actually, actually, you go over there's things you can and can't do. Hate speech is a great example. You know, you can't say these things. You know, which mm-hmm. we're seeing now in the U.S. Um, yeah, but so to clarify, mm-hmm. uh, you're, I, I'm also like, wait, I love talking about politics. Right. Uh, I have long conversations with right leaning friends that think the U.S. is the best country on earth i think we are the best country on earth and i have long conversations with my left-leaning punk friends that Mm -hmm. think that the u.s is the worst country on earth sure and so i love these conversations (laughs) however i agree how do we get here it was metric of success so like just to bring this back Mm -hmm. and then i would love to have a a podcast on all those other boxes that we open including politics but so to clarify that's the metric of Success is liberty. Is that what we landed on? No, liberty is not a metric of success. Liberty is a metric of maturity. Okay, because is... su- success mm-hmm. is how do you define success? So how much? So you still think that the U.S. has the most liberty out of uh, any country? Yes. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, I think that it's uh, diminishing very, very rapidly. Very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I can't think of another country on earth that has the, the same level of liberty. So, like I said, I could leave city limits and do a lot of different things that I couldn't do in another country. 
Um, but at the same time, so that that's fascinating. I, I love that. I, I to me, it almost seems like giving a kid a toy and like you play with that shit. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the U.S. has the like it, it is not a democracy. So you right. you can enact your will on like an explosive or an AR, but you cannot enact a will on foreign policy or how your country is run. So, uh, liberty with what? Liberty over your mind to what extent? So again, liberty is that you is that you 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 own your mind. Mm-hmm. I get to think what I want to think. Yep. And I can execute my will mm-hmm. until it oppresses somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's liberty. Mm-hmm. Now, if 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 you want to go affect foreign foreign policy, mm-hmm. guess what? You can you can go get into foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, there's 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 absolutely nothing stopping you. Mm-hmm. To get into foreign policy, mm-hmm. whereas in some places, like and you know, who are you? Yeah, no, no, you you can't get into foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're you. Mm-hmm. In, in, yeah, and we're done. You're identified as a dissident. Sure, or for, yeah. for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the idea it's not even guns, and, and the Second Amendment is not about guns, mm-hmm. right? So the Second Amendment, what, it, what the Second Amendment says is that. Uh, you have the right to weaponize whatever you decide is reasonable, mm-hmm. to defend yourself against oppression, mm-hmm. and to go on the offense when you de- when you deem necessary. Mm-hmm. That's what the defend- That's what the se- se- that's what the Second Amendment says. Yeah, I right? understand that a lot of things were. S- S- go, ahead. go ahead. So so what that so what that means in other countries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea that you, that you get to decide what is reasonable to defend yourself is n- is not allowed. Mm-hmm. Period. Especially to, to in term and to the concept of of in enacting and codifying a right of the people <coughs> to destroy their own government. Yes. Yeah. Is, that's what I was gonna say. Is that it's right, written in as that like a is the ultimate liberty, and that's yeah. a, a responsibility to do so. Yeah. And so you know, and, and so and so what that looks like in other countries is things like you know, so when we come to like. The ability to defend ourselves. Uh, again, you know, ideally, or you know, when we talk about, especially when you, when you read through the Federalist Papers, you know, it's always like when your government begins to oppress you, then you then you can fight back against your government, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but really, it talks about this. You know, Scott starts trying to kill me. I, I have every mm-hmm. right as a free person to, to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot of places, your first duty is to retreat. Mm-hmm. So Scott's trying to rip my throat out. My first responsibility is to exit the door, mm-hmm. right? And now, when I make it to the point I can't go anymore, now I can fight back. That's, that is not that's not liberty, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the the idea that certain words you you, you can and can't say, mm-hmm. right? Uh, hate speech is a great example. Uh, can't you know contradict my government? The 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 the, the issue with uh, due process, you know, the whole red flag law. Uh, it, it's really interesting to, to talk about red flag laws, uh, and really the the main thing that they have wrong about red flag laws is that they put the due process. Oh, the due process is at the back end. I'm going to take first, and then I'm going to afford you the opportunity. I'll even pay for it. Uh, all the best lawyers for you to prove that, that, that you should have these back. Mm-hmm. That's not liberty. We got that backwards. Put that in front. Now we, have a, now we can have an, 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 an intellectually honest conversation that keeps liberty at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to come take your guns uh, because of these reasons. Tell me why not. You still have them. You can go home right now and use them. Mm-hmm. Right, you can come to the meeting with them, right? Um, but we need you to because of these concerns are real. Uh, we need you to go ahead, and we're going to provide you, uh, you know, because this is crazy. We're going to provide you all the resource to, to to make sure that you can defend your right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's due process. In a lot of countries, it's it's it is the other way around. Mm. We're gonna lock you away. Yeah, Napoleonic. Uh, Follow me. Yeah. And so, so and so it's not even the. Uh, so anyway, it's it's this. It, it, are the, it are these principles, mm-hmm. you know, and even when you talk to a lot of Americans that would say, um, you don't need that kind of gun. Mm-hmm. When you ask them, well, do you have, do you, you know, if you were being attacked right now, do you have the intrinsic right as a person to defend yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right there. I, I, I've talked to people of other countries and, and, and they'll, they'll premise it with, can I get out the door? Mm-hmm. No, because, because you get a guy like me, I'm not going to let you get out the door. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't grant extra rights. You're you're saying a lot of things that I agree. Well, because everybody agrees with liberty, the concepts thereof. Yeah. Oh, Americans, I'm sorry. Americans agree with it because we were raised in it. So, uh, once again, it's a bizarre metric because, like America, out of the developed uh, nations, it has the least class mobility. That's fine. So you don't have the liberty to move up in class. You, you do have the liberty. Why can't? What is preventing you from moving up in class? Uh, a lot of things set systematically that make it harder and harder Name to one. accumulate wealth. Name one. Uh, the fact that uh, if, like with any kind of savings account, if you don't have a savings account, uh, any kind of transaction you have has higher fees. So if you do have a savings what's account... What's preventing you from going to savings account? You have a savings account. Well, let's say financial ruin, what have you. Okay, so uh, what's preventing you from getting recovering from the financial ruin? Okay, skip that. You have a savings account. Right. Uh, you don't have a lot of... Like, for instance, uh, it, things are just more expensive. You can't get a cashier's check. It's not free. Uh, well, sure, it might be it's free. Uh, at mine it is because I have enough money in the savings account. Okay. I, I bank with the U.S. Bank and end. Okay, here, okay, stop right there. Okay, yeah. let's say that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, can ten of us say, you know what? I don't like that. I, I want, mm-hmm. I want the, I want the cashier's checks to be free mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a perk, and we're gonna get, I'm gonna get a group of people, and we're gonna go petition the banking industry to say, hey, if you provide these things, um, we're, we'll bank with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, with the free market, you're allowed to do that. So, All right, so next one, uh, education. <laughs> education is getting more expensive. Sure. Uh, but you could say, hey, you can you can go through the route to uh, to Rush get scholarships. Limbaugh is very, very, very rich. Yeah. He didn't graduate college. Yeah, there's a, an immense amount of people that did that. And, and because of the media, <laughs> because of the media, mm-hmm. we know about those people. So it, it produces like a weird... Uh, dichotomy of uh, how things actually are. But, so same kind of thing with violence. Violence is down, but because of the media, we think it's way up. Right. Same with these people that make the American dream. But well, I'm not. I'm not saying that that that's not difficult. Um, right. But the opportunities are there if you have the the drive. I mean, look at Condoleezza Rice. A black woman who grew up uh, sharecropper. Her mother was sharecropping. Okay, and a black woman. I mean, she had all the strikes against her. Mm-hmm. Okay, she raised to the point where she was uh, what? Secretary of State. Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. If there's all these inherent barriers. Uh, race, uh, misogyny, and, and uh, you know financial, you know what's what's well, how did this happen? So, so but, but but here's the thing, they, they exist. Yeah. The, the barriers oh, yeah. exist. Yeah. But the the question isn't 
they're they exist because because we're people we're, we're, we're corruptible we're, we're we're filthy animals right yeah. I mean that's just, that's what we do and and one and one part of our nature is uh, you heard the term other othering right I'm gonna define you like this mm-hmm. it's not gonna look like that and that way I can say you're less than mm-hmm. make sense mm-hmm. that's othering those other people. Is what yeah, like tribalism kind of thing. Sure, yeah, sure. right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we, we love doing that. That's, I mean, that's how we that's how we step on other people. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's how we develop as societies. Well, and uh, make choices. And yeah. you know, so I mean, I, I realize that this tribalism is generally regard, uh, regarded as a very horrible, terrible thing. But yet, it was a a way uh, for societies to advance. And so. It, you know, it, in some ways. Yeah. Well, and, so. and, and in addition to that, but but in in this country, right, you still have the mechanisms to do something about it. Yeah. They, they still exist. Yeah. They may be hard. They may be super difficult to obtain. Uh-huh. They're they are obtainable. Uh-huh. I can tell you in that in in every other place of the world, mm. um, if you hit the right other, they they are not. Mm. They are not available to you. Why? Because you you fit this, mm. or you don't fit that. Mm. Now, th- there's a lot of equality in a lot of other places, but so fine. You you have equality. Everybody has the same opportunities. Mm. You don't get to say these things. Mm. You know what that means? That means in that society, I don't get to advance. Yeah, and I agree. That's one but, of the arguments that I say to my punk right. friends. Uh, right. I, Overgeneralization, but uh, the the simple fact that we have freedom of press is huge. Huge. It's uh, it's amazing at yes. uh, keeping uh, different parts of the government and private business in check. Um, mm-hmm. I- anyway, uh, the the thing I'm touching on is that on what metric? Uh, oh, real fast, just to uh, acknowledge the the barriers. So yeah, there's barriers, uh, and yeah, you can get past them. But like I said, the statistically. The U.S. has the least class mobility out of developed nations. Sure. So, yeah, you could be all gung-ho and damn near jangoistic on, uh, on liberty and uh, that you just have to work your ass off. And, uh, like, company execs say, yeah, work your ass off, bud. You'll make it. And so all I'm saying is statistically, that's it. We could go over, this plays a role, this plays a role, this plays a role, this plays a role. And you could say to each single one of those that, yeah, but you, hard work, determination, you can get over that. I'm talking about, at the end of the day, the numbers. The numbers, that class mobility sucks here. Sure, but, the, but, you know, but then you got to take in what does class mobility look like. Mm. You know, I mean, why? why? You know, and, and quite frankly, um, within, within certain demographics... Uh, there are things that are intrinsic. Intrinsic? I don't know if that's the right word. There are things that are norm- normative within those demographics that do help. Um, they have a proclivity. Thank you. They have a proclivity for for for, for particular behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure, we can we can predict an outcome. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're beholden to that outcome. Mm-hmm. And. Um, which is important and the other side is and another thing is is to look at you know and one class mobility doesn't doesn't dictate um it really has has I'm not saying it has nothing to do with liberty uh i'm going to say that 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 liberty enables class mobility mm-hmm. uh but you know you can be dirt poor and 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 completely free 
you know, I don't really like using that word, but you can be dirt poor and completely free, and you can be ex- stinking rich and, and be essentially a slave to the system, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and again, which would you rather be? Now, some of us would be happy to be, well, like 60 grand a year, two cars? Mm-hmm. Probably settle for that. That's Europe. That's what America wants because we like this comfort thing. But, you know, in America, or in, a, in, 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 in Europe, you know, you have all these equality laws, right? So you don't get to run the company the way that you think it would be best. Now, it might have a certain predictor of, of success, mm-hmm. but, you know, what do I want to be? There's a reason why Elon Musk, a South African, is doing so much here, mm-hmm. right? Because, because he can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that... that that's informative yeah and in that it reminds you of where like where is this opportunity mm-hmm. uh yeah there's it, a reason why apple has huge branches in ireland to get away from tax laws yeah <laughs> yeah because so, they can't yeah because they can't. yeah sure so and and, and and again i think that the yeah start a study so i'm all excited <laughs> um and we're gonna have to wrap this up we are because it's yeah so I, you can you ooh. can take a nap no <laughs> yeah yeah we're busy bro right take a nap yeah, yeah. Sure. we're gonna sit in the car yeah. but anyway so i i think that that's a um uh, again it, it's it's almost like that the tangent of religion you know what again what are we actually understanding yeah. and what are we what are we what in our you know we say we say one thing and what have we attached to it that mm-hmm. and sometimes i think in most cases this thing that we've attached to it mm-hmm. for whatever reason it actually makes it not what we're talking about anymore, mm-hmm. right? It's the difference between liberty and freedom. Yeah, right? it, it, uh, I didn't, you know, like the idea that freedom is three choices that I give you to make. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay, that's not liberty, but you're free. Yeah, um, yeah. And so once we really boil it down, and one of the things like when we talk about all these, uh, like we kept seeing all these protests. You know, everybody wanted to kneel and everyone to burn the flag mm-hmm. and they want to be bad. They want to talk, you know, talk bad about America. So I'm of that. I I happen to like my flag. Uh, I would I would stand next to you and kill people, mm-hmm. so that you could do so you could do mean things to the flag. Mm-hmm. I, I would. Um, I would be saddened because I think that you would have because for some reason the the the, the message of the flag got lost to you, mm-hmm. and that is of any place in the world, whatever it is that you're upset about, here is the place where you can address it, mm-hmm. right? In almost all of the world. And in a lot of the world, in the developed world, you'll probably be able to address the the, the main issues that you're focused on. Mm-hmm. But you're going to run into a point where someone's going to say, "Ah, but you can't say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that." Right? We want everybody to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. In America, we were founded on this idea that we're going to make everybody uncomfortable. Uh, especially black people. No, I'm totally kidding. sure. <laughs> but, uh, so, no, well, that, there's a failing right yeah. there. Yeah, and so yeah, and and and. Which is which is unfortunate, you know. I mean, I yeah. I wish they could see that with the flag and go, man, I I, I would drape myself in that because this is the place where I'm going to address that. Mm-hmm. So and that's what the, it stands the, for. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I had started a group. A Scott, I ago. thought you were trying to wrap this up. I know, <laughs> I know. Maybe this will wrap this up. But uh, I started a group a few years ago about a concept of. Getting a group of people around right. <laughs> to be uncomfortable. That the the goal was to ask uncomfortable questions. Mm-hmm. It was in the context of, of of church and religion and faith. But you know that's 
that's what uh, we're comfortable mm-hmm. being, being uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, addressing the hard questions and uh, asking, you know, okay, is that really what you want to, your life to look like? Right. I love that. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I love that idea, Scott. Um, so, uh, are you are you game for wrapping it up? Oh sure, if you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why? Well, don't look at me. Look at him. <laughs> Scott has got. Yeah, I mean, he's like, looking like Clint Eastwood over there, like. Mm. <laughs> so, um, things that I would love to talk about, and I mean, with the tangential nature of uh, this podcast, I doubt we would even be able to make it. But next round, let's totally talk more about religion. Uh, if we can totally talk politics, I got some stuff to say about that. But uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining me. It was great, guys. Uh, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And with that, thanks for listening to Epsilon Reporting. Good night. Good luck. <laughs>